Okay, so welcome to session seven of our Smoke and Snow campaign. In the last session, our heroes recovered the Sun Sword from the ruins of the Order Solaris Abbey and discovered that it appeared to be intelligent and possessed of a will of its own. However, as you leave the, the Abbey, and you're making your way down the mountains, the grey heights where the abbey dwells, the weather has turned extremely cold. There are thick, heavy clouds and banks of fog rolling across the mountain range in which you find yourself obscuring view quite severely at any sort of distance. As you glimpse through the, the grey haze around you, looking over the the panorama that was spread out in front of you previously from your lofty position in the mountains. It now looks like a grey sea has blanketed the landscape with a few islands, the peaks of other snow-capped mountains jutting up from an amorphous grey sea. A strong wind whistles through the mountain peaks loudly blustering through the rocky crags of the grey heights obviously you're all sort of togged up in your standard winter weather gear but even so the temperature you can tell the temperature has dropped severely you can see after a few moments of like walking about you can see like icicles and ice crystals hanging off the rocks and you can see that already a sort of thick layer of snow has begun to fall and huge heavy white sparkling snowflakes fall in flurries rapidly from the sky unless you're stood right next to each other you're having to shout to make yourselves heard above the howling winds to the north just behind you since you've not moved too far away you can just about make out like a couple of miles to the north the ruins of the abbey the mountains as yet from what you can see at least don't appear to be impassable however the going is a bit of a bit tough a bit of a slog you're having to move a bit slower because of the thick snow and obviously being more wary of your footing because visibility is much reduced after a short time of traveling you find your teeth chattering you know you obviously you're doing all the all the things you can to keep warm, you know, sort of rubbing your arms, etc. So trying to keep like a brisk pace to keep yourself warm. But even so, it's obvious that the temperature's fallen to quite a severe degree. And it becomes quite difficult after a while to sort of accurately gauge your direction and your heading since you've been sort of judging by landmarks previously. Obviously, you don't have really a map or a compass or anything like that. But now, as you look out, everything is shrouded in this grey, snowy haze. You're keeping close together so as not to lose each other in the fog. Over to you. Um, feels like we should get the master and the trader and follow the river to New Seal Land until the weather passes. I don't think the master and the trader will survive in this. Well, not likely. Not without help. 
No, we probably want to lose some altitude, don't we? And get out of the, get out of the mountains. Because they're also quite high up, right? Yeah, I mean, if we we're we're in a mountainous region, if we if you like, if we do like you say, follow the follow the river down, try and um, get out of the worst of it, you know. Yeah. Okay. I think we have to cross the plains and go back up onto the glacier to get the master. Okay, so in these inclement conditions and given the, the rugged terrain you're moving through, you're effectively going to be travelling at like half speed because obviously you guys are having to be extremely careful with your footing, stuff like that. You know, the normal sort of conditions and cautions you'd have while travelling through a mountainous region, obviously amplified by the extremely inclement weather. So which of you is going to try and forge a path or find your direction? I'm quite good at that. Okay. Now, I will tell you that due to the weather and the the poor visibility conditions, the chance of losing your way has increased by three. So the, okay. stan the standard chance for a standard person without any special abilities of losing direction would be a four in six. Okay, so I roll a d12. Yep. I'm trying to. Well, you've just rolled two of them, because I can see them. Sorry, I can't, I'm not seeing them. But your, okay. your first roll was five. Okay. So have you I'm managed to... we're lost. Indeed, you, you are. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll a d6 to find out what direction you end up going in. Okay. So you... You trudge on for a day through this driving snow and wind. Obviously, you'll all need to deduct a ration from your supplies. Eventually, you move out of the, the completely mountainous and devoid of vegetation region into what appears to be an area dotted with coniferous trees. As you continue to press on, these trees get thicker and you start sort of heading out of the mountains however you've not yet come across the river after a day when you sort of it's become obvious because you've not encountered the river that you've gone astray somewhere you suddenly reach the shores of a lake and looking across the lake you can just make out in the thick mist the familiar shape of Witch Isle. Based on your knowledge of local geography, it seems that instead of going south, you've sort of gone southwest in the fog, and you are now standing on the sort of shores of the lake. You can see the some of the, the shallower water at the edge has started to like freeze and ice over, but obviously the the sort of the ice hasn't yet reached further out into the lake, although no doubt it will if the temperatures remain at this level. You can just about make out the grim, jagged, dark silhouette of the the ruins 
that cover witch's oil through the snow and the fog some distance off to the southwest is this is this weather the weather we'd expect for this time of the year john or is it sort of unseasonal it's it's not altogether unexpected i mean obviously it's more common in winter whereas now we're on the the first of midsummer so it's normally slightly more temperate however you are in like a subarctic sort of region of the world so it's not uncommon for there to be like colder spells and snowstorms i'm just thinking that in this like wooded area it might be the sort of place where we could at least perhaps make a shelter and sit out the worst sit out the worst of the weather indeed it's definitely more comfortable now you're sort of in these uh these coniferous trees because they're blocking some of the wind from you and like yeah, and a we lot could... of the snow's falling on the canopy rather than like just directly dropping onto yourselves yeah and no, i mean we could knock a few over and make a shelter and gather some wood and rather than trudging through this we could we could potentially wait for the, the conditions to improve but I don't, I don't know what you fellas think of that I'm quite worried about the master. I think, you know, uh, I'd be worried that they won't survive if we don't get to them. They won't be able to look after themselves. Now, obviously, it's sort of like the end of the day when you guys have reached the the lake. So you've been travelling for a day. Now, if you want, you can push on without resting but obviously you will be getting steadily more exhausted as you're doing that but it's entirely down to you so why don't we rest here for the night and see if the weather improves in the morning and then i guess we can either way we should probably try and move in the morning um yeah i'll say we yeah i'll say we rest we we make a shelter chop a couple of trees down Make a bit of a lean-to and uh, gather up some firewood and get settled in. Okay, sounds good. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to make you guys make a roll for that. I mean, you're, you're people who are sort of like used to looking after yourselves, hunters, woodsmen, etc. So gathering a bit of wood, building a fire, making like a sort of lean-to style shelter isn't difficult, particularly since coniferous trees tend to be like more thinner and flexible than like some of the larger deciduous trees so it, it, ta it takes you like maybe an hour or two but you're able to sort of erect like a, a very rough sort of lean-to shelter that you put fronds of like leaves and foliage over it and you soon have a small crackling fire providing a, a small amount of warmth to yourselves i presume you're all going to take watches during the evening yes Okay. Okay, okay. Can't make out why you're rolling them red dice, John. 
You've got to stay on brand, haven't you? That's it. You've got to stay on brand, man. Okay, so you all settle in for the evening. However, on the final watch of the evening, which is taken by yourself, Malcolm, you're, you're keeping an eye, you can hear the soft sound of breathing from your companions who are asleep, when you hear like a sort of a, a soft padding sound and a snuffling sound, and as you look out of your like, makeshift lean-to, you can see a number of canine shapes moving around in the mists, like slinking between the trees. Okay. How many can I see? Bum, bum, bum. Let me get the older roller up and I'll tell you. I apologise, I'm slightly longer with some of these. I'm doing all the like various effects, like my computer's protesting a little bit. Number appearing. <laughs> Treasure type C. Okay, you can see, you think, maybe eight, ten shapes, although it's difficult to tell because they sort of keep moving in and out of the trees. <laughs> okay. So, what I would like to try and do is, um, I want to take a handful of food and I want to try and get one of the creatures to approach me and I'm going to try and tame it. Okay. Do you have any special abilities related to that? Or? I do. Okay, so for the viewers at home, how do they work? Uh, so you may attempt to forge a bond with an animal. If the bond is successfully established, the animal becomes the hunter's loyal companion. Uh, so basically, I can only have one. So if, okay. if it works and I want a second, I have to let this one go. Uh, but wild and domestic animals may be companions. Uh, giant or magical animals may become a hunter's companion at the referee's discretion. Uh, so... An animal, uh, an animal companion may not have higher hit dice than the hunter's level, so I'm guessing I'm kind of okay there. Um, so the hunter must approach the animal in a peaceful manner. The referee makes a reaction roll okay. uh, with a plus one bonus and oh, nice. a charisma modifier, and if the results eight or greater, the animal becomes the hunter's companion. Okay, so what's your charisma modifier? Uh, it's a zero, so it's just a straight roll, uh, 2d6 plus one. Okay. I'll add the one on manually. Oh. Okay. So, the as you're sort of like you're approaching, you know, you say you're holding out some food, a, a a white lupine shape darts out of the trees, and you can see a a slightly scrawny looking wolf with sort of patchy white grey fur. You can still see there's others sort of like moving around warily. And there are you can tell from looking at them, given your sort of like your background, that they're not magical wolves, they're not dire wolves or anything like that. They're just normal wolves. And they're being quite cautious. They're not just barreling in and attacking you guys or whatever. This one seems to have been drawn in by like the scent of the food. 
However, as you sort of approach it and you hold out the food, it literally snatches the food out of your hand and then darts back into the trees. You hear the sound of sort of yipping and barking from inside the trees as perhaps they're they're fighting over the food or the others are trying to grab some food. And you can see like the other sort of shapes like closing in as they've obviously picked up the scent of this food. But after a while, bit of snarling, a bit of growling. Obviously, whatever food is there is consumed, and these shapes begin sort of slowly slinking off back into the mist between the trees. And a couple, okay. of, a couple of hours later, the weather is still pretty awful, but the you can tell by the the change in light that the sun has started to rise, although it's a hazy, gauzy light coming through this fog and thick cloud cover. Okay. Obviously, the rest of you, Weimar, Leopold, you start sort of waking up as you see fit. As you wake up, it becomes immediately obvious that the storm hasn't broken yet. The temperature's still very cold, although it has warmed up slightly just due to it being daytime. Um, but as you look out through the lean-to, and yeah, you can see, you can see Malcolm with like his cloak pulled around him, like his hood up, like a bit of snow on his shoulders and his uh, hood. You see that there's still pretty heavy snow falling. Yeah, so much for the better weather. Right, indeed. <clears throat> hmm. So, Malcolm, are you still are you still keen to go and find the old fella? I am. I am. I think we may need his help to address this darkness. But most community spirited of you. Hmm. Uh, well, if you're fear. planning to set off again, obviously you'll need to make another roll to see if you can find your way this time. Are we happy enough to? Yeah, sorry, are we? Uh, what? What? Are you happy enough to set up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm really happy. Sure. I'm really happy, Malcolm. <laughs> okay, not a problem. You, you're able to find your way. So I presume you're heading towards the the sort of Templar's tent where you met the old master of the Solaris Order before. Yes. Okay, so you travel eastwards, moving, sort of hugging the tree line and the sort of mountain line as you head towards where the tent was last located. And as you get near to the end of the day, again, all consuming a ration, you reach the the west bank of the river, that you know flows southwards towards where your home settlement of New Zealand is. And you know that from your previous experiences that maybe 12, 18 miles to the east of here is where the land rises up into the plateau where the, the master of the solar order had pitched his tent and where you left your merchantile companion with him. How goes the supplies, Mr. Hart? Uh, we have enough food for three days. Hmm. Um, that should suffice then. Yeah, but we can also 
I can also try and rustle up some more. Um, so we can all try and forage. Then let us rustle away, sir. All right. No, no luck for me anyway. <clears throat> okay. My orange dice has failed me. So you've had precious Ooh. little luck foraging, unfortunately, which isn't a surprise given the thick covering of snow that covers the ground, making it difficult to find like the normal sort of plants and stuff like that that you might subsist on. However, as you get to the river, can you each make me a d6 roll and let me know what you get? Three. Four. Six. Okay. So, why more? As you're sort of... You, your companions are sort of foraging around the, the edge of the lake, looking for food with seemingly little success, when as you're sort of stood there, they say it's quite difficult to see more than about 15 feet away from you due to the thick fog. However, as you're stood next to the the river... At first, you can't really hear anything apart from your companions sort of rustling around in the snow. But as they get sort of like a bit further away from you, sort of ranging a bit further in search of food, as you listen from, you think from sort of further upriver to the north, you can hear what sounds like a splashing sound. Is there anything to be seen? You direction? can't you can't see anything at the minute, but like I say, vision's extremely limited. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna get their attention, uh, poke them with my uh, longbow, gesture yeah. towards the the sound. So Weimar leans over and like jabs you too with his longbow and like and like points further up river. And as you guys stop doing what you're doing and listen, you can hear this slight splashing sound and now you're now that there's no noise whatsoever because you've all stopped you can all hear what sounds like a slight sort of like grunting noise like a <clears throat> does it sound like bore or difficult to tell it doesn't sound like a boar, you don't think, but okay. you could be wrong. Do we do we want to try and get some eyes on this? Have we got somebody stealthy that might be able to assess the threat? Well, I think we need to. Regardless. Uh, <clears throat> so, I have a surprise attack skill. Okay. Uh, which is a 3 and 6 chance of going unnoticed when sneaking up on a target. Yep, you, you uh, can make that roll. And, and in fact, like, it, it's going to be... That a, sounds perfect. In fact, it's going to be a 4 in 6 chance because you can take advantage of the fog. Okay. Ah, nice. 
so one to four is good. Yeah, or two that's to it. six. Okay, one to four, four is good. Nice. nice. Okay, so leaving your companions behind for the moment, Malcolm, you sort of step into the thick mist, which, as far as you're concerned, Weimar and Lady Potts up, swirls around him briefly and he just disappears into this grey haze. You very slowly and very carefully, making sure you don't tread on any rocks or hidden branches, make your way further upstream. And as you do, getting closer to the source of the sound, you eventually see at first what appears to be like a a dark humanoid silhouette near the bank of the river and as you move a bit closer again taking pains to conceal yourself you see what appears to be a very primitive looking humanoid wearing like ragged animal furs he's holding what appears to be a a fish in one hand and as you as you move closer, you hear this like, primitive humanoid goes, <clears throat> and he like smacks the, this fish on a rock at the edge of the the river, and then without any sort of ceremony, he immediately starts eating this fish. Just like raw, just starts like eating it. You see, like I say, he's got a very primitive cast, sort of very sort of thick set features, and sort of like a big like his forehead's quite pronounced, but quite muscly. And he's got very crudely sort of sewn together animal hides covering him. Okay. You can see what appears to be a a tree branch that perhaps serves as like a crude club or a weapon. Then he's obviously sat down next to him, like leaning up against a rock while he's like smacking smack this fish on the rock. And he's okay. now like, um, like looking around as he's eating it. Okay. Um, so if I'm looking at the footprints, is it clear that it's only him? It would seem to be, yeah. You can't see any like, additional sets of tracks that would lead you to believe there's a group of them around. Okay. And does he seem to have much kind of food or belongings? He doesn't appear to have a great deal of um, food or supplies on him. Like I say, it's pretty much the furs that he's wearing, this, this club... And you can see that he has got like a couple of other fish that he's obviously presumably whacked on the rock and then sort of set down and he's like eating this one. Whether he's planning on like taking these other two away somewhere or just eating them here, you don't know. Okay. But as he's eating it, he like he lets out between like crunching like because he's eating bones and all on this fish, between sort of like crunching into it, he like keeps looking around, he's like So did, did, didn't we did we encounter some dudes like this before? You know when we was near that cave. You encountered a a creature which appeared like a white furred ape. The the group has also encountered the the sort of diminutive hunter with the white hair, who appeared like a bit primitive that they encountered previously. Although that was like nowhere near this guy who's like pretty much standard human size although slightly hunched over and like very muscular did we, did we figure out who the white ape may have been preying on or no no you the, the white ape was um killed by several creatures and dragged into it, their cave if i remember correctly uh, okay you sort of like tracked it to north cuz you knew it was going near like 
the lair of some like creatures and then it obviously encountered them and was like overwhelmed and dragged into the cave okay I feel I'm suffering game bleed <laughs> Sorry, I'm man, crossing it's, it's, the it's streams the I'm crossing like, the stream. <laughs> it's the cold weather it makes it makes crazy men of us all that's it <laughs> okay so that's what you can see Malcolm okay so <clears throat> I think I want to creep back and tell the party that I have found Gollum and he might have a golden ring. Um, but <laughs> uh, just tell the party that I found this creature. But what's in his pockets is? He doesn't seem to have that much in the line of food or or belongings. Um, and it might be prudent to leave him be. Mm. And you think he's alone? Yeah, there's only one set of footprints. Mm. Mm. Um, it didn't look like the coin to be tangled with. I feel like they're... they're mm. Seems... Seems unlikely he'd be alone. Maybe there's a settlement or something nearby. Maybe we've stumbled into the territory of a. Uh, a primitive race of some description. There's practically a room in the mountains. Yeah. Probably come downstream looking for food. Well, the river, the river is a rich source of uh, protein, and <clears throat> I mean fish. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, any time we don't need to tangle is probably good because there will be more of that coming up. Mm. Okay, so are you guys planning on just leaving this creature, whatever it may be, well alone and like settling down for the evening? Oh. oh. Are we working? Have we got like a chart? Is any of us like making up a chart or anything like that? Of um, we are we recording our travels in some way? Is that something that we're at or or not? I don't believe it's something people are doing at the moment. Yeah, no. Although obviously, if, if, if one or more of you wants to do it, feel free. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know how. You know, it, it, in the um, I don't know how in the fiction we'd necessarily go about that without any kind of um, expertise or surveying equipment or anything like that. I, I think probably a, a sketch map would be like the best you could do. Yeah, perhaps with a bit of journaling. I mean, my guys. Not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, if it's something you want to do for your character, feel free, by all means. He's got that engineering background and stuff. I feel like he might have one of them little notepads going. Yep. Absolutely fine. Just noting down. He'll take a little look at the landscape. Maybe get a few... Uh, a rough reckoning on the position of the river and the mountains and make a little note that we sighted a 
uh, perhaps a primitive yep, inhabitant. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do this going forward. Okay. So, obviously, it's the end of another day, so you all need to deduct a ration. You all, again, you're having to move much slower than you would do normally due to the the bad weather and the conditions. But you all settle down for the evening. Again, you can make lean-tos, etc. That's not a problem. Your evening passes fairly uneventfully. I'm going to make a roll to see if the, the storm has broken yet. Okay. And when you wake up the next morning, although there is still snow falling, the the heavy fog appears to have largely dissipated. Ah, nice. So a quick question for you, John. It looks like I'm showing eight hit points out of thirteen. Yep. And then I believe that's two or three nights have passed. Yeah, you've had two nights have passed. So for each of those, you can recover 1d3 hit points. Okay, so I'll just roll a d6, yeah? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, how do I edit them, John? Okay, so you just need to open your character sheet. Yep, got it. Okay, when you've got your character sheet open, you should see that there's like a a sort of parabola icon on it. Yep. Like a, if you go to the top number, which is eight, yep. and you sort of click on it, you should be able to like delete it and edit it like a text box. Oh, yeah. Just change it's that right. number. Yeah, it's happening. Oh, no. It says I... Not something about actors well how many have you gained four I should be on I should be on 12 there we go cool okay I'm just going to have a quick look at that see why it's giving you access Jip give me a second yeah we had a little bit of that last time and Cool. Right, that should have hopefully sorted that out. All beans. Okay, so now that you now that the sort of like the conditions are much better although it's still very cold you can make your normal roll to find your direction however before we do that i'm going to ask can each of you please make me a constitution roll to see whether you have suffered any ill effects from your prolonged exposure to the freezing cold temperatures and you should just be able to click on constitution to do that and it should tell you whether you succeed or fail Okay, if you fail at that roll, you have taken 
two hit points of damage from the cold. And that's over the course of like the two days. It's well under, isn't it, John? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when you awaken on the third day, as I've said, uh, the, sh humans. The weather, <laughs> the weather has improved, although the temperature is starting to rise slightly. There is still snow falling, but the the thick mists have sort of drifted away and dispersed, and you can now see more of the landscape around you, although it is still shrouded in thick white snow. About a day's travel to the east, you can see the the plateau rising upwards, and you can just about make out in the distance the a sort of snow-covered tent on the very edge of it. Okay. Is there any s smoke or anything coming from the tent? Well, at this, since you asked that question, I'm going to ask you to make me a D6 roll, please, Colin. Anything but a one in your grant. Okay, so as you look at the tent, you can actually see, yeah, there is some, there is some sort of smoke rising up out of it. That's a good sign. And presumably you make your way to the plateau. Yeah. Okay. So as you arrive at the tent, it's very much as you remember it. You can see that it looks as though someone's obviously been regularly sort of clearing the the snow off the tent to make sure it doesn't collapse or anything like that. As you head in, as you're sort of heading towards it, you can actually see Hercules Buchanan, your trading friend, who is He's actually sort of scratching around for some like wood outside. He, he, he spots you approaching and he's like, Ho there! How goes it? How is the master? He says well in this bad weather? He says, um, yes, he's, he's not doing too badly. Uh, but um, I don't think this uh, this cold weather's done him any favours. But uh, he he seems to be okay. Okay. Is he well enough to travel? But I'm I'm no medical expert, but I I should say so. Okay. And are you yourself ready to travel? Uh, yes, yes, I'm a I, I'm fine to travel. Hmm. Well, we will bring you to New Seal Land, and from there we will bring you up to your um, fort, as promised. Ah, s splendid, splendid. There uh, you go, there you go, Mister Harp. The, the wisdom of the old folk—it's underestimated them. So it would seem. So it would seem, Neil. You don't live to this old age without knowing what you're doing out in the wilds. I fear. I, I feel this fella. He may look old and frail, but he knows he knows more than he lets on. As you're sort of having this discussion, you hear a, a slightly sort of ragged old voice from inside the tent say, uh, 
who, who is it? Hercules. And he says, all right, uh, uh, Master Ramsey, it's my, it's, it's my tra traveling companions. Uh, previously, uh, they, they appear to have returned. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, good, uh, good. Um, I, I, I trust younger, young Graydon managed to, to, to catch up to them. At which point, uh, Hercules sort of like looks around at your party and obviously not seeing Simon Graydon there. He, oh. he sort of, he gives you guys like a bit of a look of like. I'll deal with this. I'll deal with this. I shall head into the tent. You walk in and you see the old man, Gavin Ramsey, and he's. He still looks slightly frail, although he looks a lot better than like, when you first met him. And you can see that he's uh, he's obviously been sort of like wrapped up in like all the various furs, but he's now like he's he's midway through, you know, like trying to put his like traveling clothes on and like tie his like cloak clasp and stuff like that. Because he's obviously assuming you're going to be getting underway. He looks up when he sees you. Sees you enter, and he's like, "Oh, ma Master Dwarf, I'm, I'm terribly sorry." I I'm, I'm terrible with names. I, please do forgive me. Your name escapes me. Uh yes, I, Leopold Stavish. Uh, yes, of course, uh, Master Stavish. Please forgive me. Uh, at my age, I find uh, uh, I find names terribly difficult to recall. Not at all. Not at all. Um, he says, "Tell me, did my did my um, young protege manage to find you and return the return the stone seal to you?" Alas, no. But he, what, he, he didn't find you? And he didn't get the seal to you? But then you, then you wouldn't have been able to bypass the Guardian in the, uh, in, in the Abbey. Well, sit yourself down there a second and let, let me... Um, he, he's sort of like half risen as you say that. I'll just come over, I'll put my hand on his shoulder, i say, just... just he looks Just a little bit worried, but moment, he sits yeah. down on Master. sort of like the bedding that he he had set out. Uh, it's um, a grave tale I have to recount. Unfortunately, our friend has passed on. It, you see that like, his shoulders seem to slump noticeably, and he says, "Oh." Uh, how how did it happen? And, and his voice sounds very frail and weak for a few moments as he asks his plaintive question to you. Well, it's a job to recall. <laughs> it's um. Well, I, I wouldn't want to. Well, let's just say. He made a good account of himself. He was valorous. He didn't shirk his responsibilities. He, well, um, at least that's something, I suppose. Yep, and um, it was a very strange business, and much, much was revealed about. Days, days past, maybe days to come. He, he, he looks at you for a few moments and then he says, uh, 
turn t tell me did uh did uh did, did young simon die in vain what of what, what of the artifact that was supposed to lie in the abbey did, 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 did you find it or well we we did we did he, he, he looks like he's taken some comfort in that and he says oh well at least he at least as you say he gave a he gave a good account of himself and he he didn't die in vain although i I, I wish it were I wish it were otherwise I've I've known well knew Simon since he was since he was a young boy uh, and he, he he looks as though he like he starts to say something but like his his like throat sort of closes up and he, he sort of he has like a little he lets out a little sob and he says please uh, p p please forgive me uh, no 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 uh, I had um, th 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 this news Ways heavy on me. Yeah, uh, understandable. Unfortunately, when at, you know a, a, a man of your years would know that when things come to violence, uh, it's uncontrollable. And yes, uh, of, of course, you are right, uh, Mastervish. We, we we did our best to. Uh, protect him and but the, the creatures that you find in in, in these places and it, it's uh I, I know you're you're of course right to master dwarf uh, i it just seems a shame to me that a a young man with so much of his life ahead of him dies I, I wish that i had been younger and stronger and could have taken the tablet to you then perhaps he would he would still have his his whole life ahead of him but yeah, as you say yeah. we, we we cannot change our fates yeah perhaps we could have we could have done done more i don't know we 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 try to be as cautious as possible but uh, always going into the unknown. Inevitably, you, you don't you don't know what you're going to find, and it's, yes, a, of course. it's a risky a risky business. Of course, um, when when one joins the the solar order, even much reduced as it is nowadays, uh, we we accept the fact that we may sell our lives in the in the service of the ideals that we we strive towards but uh, still it's a, it's a hard thing and at which point he sort of like he, he puts a hand on your arm Leopold and he says but uh, if you have managed to, to to find the artifact uh, would would you would you give me a hand up uh, Master Dwarf uh, I would at the very least lay eyes on it although I fear that even though I am much recovered I am I, I am not. I do not have the strength of my youth to to wield such a metal item. It was rather my hope that young Simon would be able to to carry that particular torch forward for the order. Well, of course, allow me to assist, and I'll, I'll help him up. And rest assured that his memory will live on, and he made a good account of himself when the when 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 the moment came. Thank the you. moment of reckoning. Thank you. 
So Leopold emerges from the tent, sort of like leading by the arm, the, the still slightly frail-looking figure of Gowan Ramsey. And you can tell that... I mean, obviously, you guys have heard snatches of the conversation that was going on in the tent. And the old man, although he's a lot healthier than when you saw him, obviously, whatever poison was in him has been purged from him, you can see that he, he looks very downcast and very, very sad as he walks out. The lines on his face appear etched a little deeper with sadness as he's helped out of the tent by Leopold. He looks around at all of you and says, Master Stavish here tells me that unfortunately Simon has has gone to join Leander in his in his golden halls, but I I am glad that he he at least gave a, a good account of himself and was and was able to help you r- retrieve the, the 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 treasure of the order. T- t- tell me, do, do you have it with you now? I'll procure the sword and hold it up. Yep, you you hold up the sword and. Uh, you see, like his eyes grow wider, and like a look of wonder comes across Gowan Ramsey's face, and he sort of he holds a shaking hand up just very gently to like touch the sort of like the blade of the sword, as though like he can't really believe he's actually seen. Yeah, it. I'll, I'll hold it out to him <laughs> to allow him to put his paws on it. Yeah, he he, he just sort of like he very, he very gently sort of like touches it, almost like he's like. Like appraising it and he's sort of like running an eye over it and in a very low I voice. Hope he's a good guy. It's <laughs> gonna fuck him up otherwise. <laughs> well, if he's not, <laughs> that'd be the finish of him. If he's not, at least you know about it. Yeah. I guess this is, this is truly the, the acid test. The the, yeah. the sort of lawful good. Like you stab them and they emulate, and you're like, well, that was justified. <laughs> that, that's not a bad thing actually. That's when you meet an NPC if you want to find out the good you like. Oh, I need to get some out of my pocket. Stop this sword for a minute. Yeah, just <laughs> like swear, swear an oath upon the sword, and you can join our party. That's not a bad idea, actually. If you, if you guys are talking about starting like a new religion at some point, that's it. There's worse oh, ways boy. to do it than like touch this yeah, sword and swear on it. Pledge your, oh, yeah. there's another yeah, failure. Yeah, we, we sweep him up. We we definitely want to start with like a, a secret mind police action. <laughs> Yeah, what what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's a sort of great tune for the rest of it. But he, Gowan touches the sword. His eyes grow wide with wonder, and he says, "It it it's even more beautiful than I imagined from the from the engravings that I've seen." At which point, Weimar, in like quite a different voice, goes, "Yes, I am pretty magnificent, aren't I?" And uh, Gowan Ramsey sort of like looks a bit like confused at mm-hmm. Weimar, and he's like, I- "I'm s- I'm sorry." Uh, the sword is inhabited by a spirit, I think. Um, it speaks sometimes. He, he, the the old man Gowan Ramsey sort of like he puts a hand over his mouth for a few moments, and then he says. Uh, it's it's even it's even more wondrous than I, I could have imagined. Um, oh, it doesn't stop there. Sometimes it moves my hand. It does get a bit annoying, to be fair. I'll I'll put it in the scabbard 
yep. thinking maybe it won't hear as well. <laughs> you, you, you put it in the scabbard. That's absolutely okay. fine. And he says, uh, he says, well, uh, as I was saying to to, to Master Stavish here, uh, I'm. He sort of holds up one of his like very thin, sort of frail arms. He says, I'm. I'm too old and frail to my 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 warrior days are long past. I'm, I'm too old and frail to to wield such a mighty weapon. I had hoped that uh, young Simon might have wielded it in the name of the order, but uh, obviously that's no longer possible. And to, to to the best of my knowledge, there there are no other members of Haberorden now apart from myself. As I, as I told you before, uh, although we were once numerous and widely regarded and uh, held in high esteem, the uh, after the exodus, the the order fell on hard times, and we we're, we're now seen as little more than an anachronism, a, a curiosity, something to be to be laughed at. It, previously, it was only myself and uh, Simon, but uh, now, alas. It's just myself, and uh, I, I fear I will not be, given my years, I will not be around for very much longer. And it seems that the order must, uh, the flame of the order must gutter and die out with myself. Well, let me tell you a story <laughs> <clears throat> that may be of some interest to you. Um, since you mentioned that young Simon might have gone to the halls of Leander. And I will subsequently uh, regurgitate the, <clears throat> the story we got from the judge around the, the history of the land and the darkness that dwells under the ice and how much trouble is coming in. Uh, again, and obviously, I'm not going to ask you to like, regurgitate all of it. But, That's um, good, because I don't remember all of it. But... it, it it's, it's fine, I do, but obviously since I know it, there's no point you telling it me again. But uh, although if anyone's watching and is interested, it's in one of the previous episodes. But um, got to get a quick plug in there. But um, how are you relating this to like Leander? Because you said, oh, speaking of Leander, how are you going to relate the tale to Leander as you're sort of telling it? Um, sorry, because so basically what I'm trying to say is that you know the the order of Salanus, you know, is. You know, he's the last remaining member of it. That's, and that seems to be what he's saying. Has um, grown up around this Leander idea. But our belief now is that this Leander idea is just an idea and it's just some prophet who t- turned into a god and that we need, you know, we we should work together to address this evil, you know, and that potentially we could, you know, like a phoenix that Salanus could write um, could rise from the fire, ashes, ashes. No, that's fine. He he, he nods and he says, um, well, "Well, yes, uh, of course, I'm aware that uh, Leander was a was a mortal man before he, he ascended." Uh, we don't believe he ascended. He says, "But, but um, what about all the?" What about the ancient legends that he that he went to the he, he consulted with the 
the leaders of the the, the great Kalna, the great dwarfish tribes, and uh, that with their knowledge he was able to, to to ascend to his present state, and that some of those some of those great dwarven chiefs, likewise following in his footsteps, ascended after him to watch over their people. I mean the the the, the Kalna, the dwarves, even now honor these these great ancestors and believe that they, they watch over them. Um, so we we believe that these ancient beings are the closest things to gods that, that have ever existed and that you know what the dwarves and, and the humans have um celebrated and followed for years are in fact just memories and you know myths told down through the years that have just grown in stature with every town but um if that is if that is the case so what of the what of the the great priests of leander the the the, the priests of the of the eight kalna ancestors uh, who i have seen wield great power and perform miracles in the ne in the names of Leander and um, the, the, the Dwarven ancestors. Surely if they were simple fictions that they, they, they wouldn't be able to do this. Many people can wield magic. That's not true in this setting, is it? Sorry. Well, 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 no, but you can still say, like, people can wield magic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, don't, sorry, they don't have to have, like, a god, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks thoughtful and he says, yes, you, you are right. I have I have heard of devilish sorcerers uh, going by a, a more benign guise. Uh, I mean, I, I dearly hope what you say is not true, but you may be right. I I could not say either way. I'm a, I, I, I'm a, I'm a simple man as such things go. I... I believe in Leander like like many people in Rowley and I I have done all my life but I I confess I have performed no miracles or wielded no great power uh, as I say I, I I was a back in my youth I was a simple warrior trying to, to to live up to the the code of the ancient order and do what I thought was right I mean, I mean what else can we do and tell me, do your teachings within the Order of Solanus, do they mention these uh, ancient beings, the Smoking Mirror and the Church? Not, not to the best of my knowledge. Uh, however, the, the 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 written works that were preserved after the Great Exodus were, were few and far between. Uh, m much information and much knowledge was lost in the in the original flight from Valconan to, to Roelene. I mean, it, it, it took many, many score years for for us to rebuild back on Roelene. Mm -hmm. Much of the, the great miracles, the, the the wisdom of the ancient peoples of Valconan was, was lost. And tell me, Master, would you have an open mind that such things could be possible? And would you aid us in proving that such a thing was, or is such a thing beyond your comfort? It, it, it has always been my belief that, 
one is always best served by knowing the truth, you know, no matter how unpleasant that may seem initially. If there if there is something in what you say, then then I, I would know it. I would rather a I would rather an uncomfortable truth than a a cosy blanket of lies and misinformation. Okay. And uh, whatever help I can, I can give to you. In, although I am but an old man, I, I will of course do so. Well, let us see you safely to New Zealand. Perhaps from there you can uh, assist us with some research. Um, uh, yes, of course. Uh, we can set you up there with a, a nice house and a housekeeper, blah, blah, blah. Um, so as and when we find um, items of interest, you can perhaps help us examine them and... Um, Taking off using your sagely skills. He says, "Well, yeah, yes, of course. Any, anything, anything I can do to help out. I mean, as you can see, I, I, I can't remain here, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yes, but, but by all means, um, but please lead on. Cool. So then, I guess we'll." Um, what I'd like to do, John, is as we're traveling through the forest, is try and do some hunting on the, the days to try and bulk up our uh, ration supplies. Okay, not a problem. So, are you pretty much trying to head in like a straight line to uh, to New Zealand? Yes. So, skirting through the edge of the forest. Okay. And um, and if a wolf happened to appear, um, I understand it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll steer well clear of Cyclops Valley. Also, John. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. You know where it is. It's not. And if we difficult. see any sheep, if we see any sheep, we'll give them a wide berth. Okay, no problems. So you guys travel southwest, sort of heading into the the outskirts of Wolf Forest. As you're as you're heading through, you're making fairly good time now because obviously. The, the, the temperature's risen a little bit and the snow has started to melt a little bit, although there are still isolated flurries falling from the sky. And the going's a lot easier, especially because you don't have to worry about, like, am I going to trip and fall over a cliff or anything like that? So you're able to move a little bit more quickly. You... We gather up any of them mushrooms that we got before on the way through. They're near here, aren't they? You can certainly forage if you wish. Roll me a d6. Okay. Mr. Stavish. Hey. Okay. So, as you're looking through the undergrowth and you're rooting around, you do indeed find some mushrooms there. You've found effectively five days worth, about five rations worth of mushrooms. These big sort of flat capped like mushrooms. You try just like a tiny little bit of one just to make sure it's okay. It seems perfectly edible. A couple of hours later, you've not had any like nausea or stomach cramps or anything. So you think they're pretty good. They're like these big sort of flat-capped mushrooms. Nice. You, you pick up enough and you're like, if we basically, like I say, five days worth of rations. Do, do you want to log that on there, Mr. Hop? Yeah. Why don't you? Okay. So, 
obviously you will all need to eat today's ration because you've traveled for a day now so i mean if you want you can knock that straight off the mushrooms if you want yeah, mushrooms okay. so you just have two days worth of mushroom rations okay cool that's fine so uh, and i've also made me hungry now. I, feel an, I feel an omelette coming on <laughs> Okay, so you settle down for the evening, again making yourself a shelter, taking watches, etc. I'm presuming you're not expecting the old fella to like take a watch. No, no. But uh, as you're as you're having your watch, why more? You're sat there, so looking around. You've you're inside of the sort of outskirts of the forest. Your companions are asleep. You're sort of on the first watch when, sort of in the distance, like obviously coming from up in the air, you hear like a <laughs> noise. And as you, as you sort of look up, you can just about make out like a a dark shape flapping its way through the sky. Uh, from where and to where? Okay, it appears to be sort of very roughly. It sort of appears to be heading from sort of hereish. If you can see that ping I've just yeah. put on. Sort of over where you are. Sort of to the west. Sort of towards here-ish. And you can see it. At first you think... Because it's going like sort of over where you are. It doesn't really appear to have like spotted you. At first you think it's a bird. But as it gets closer... It looks more sort of like reptilian. Mm -hmm. And it has that long sort of skin flaps... Instead of like feathered wings... And a sort of like angular, like pointed head, and you watch it. It seems to like glide through the air, occasionally just like flapping these like these like skin flap wings. Take cover. <clears throat> Is there um, a way for me to gauge like any sort of reference thing that I could use to gauge how big it is, or how high it is? <laughs> it's it's pretty high up so you don't think you're in any immediate danger of mm -hmm. it spotting you uh, right. you think and obviously you're making a sort of guesstimate but yeah. sort of like you think it's got like a, it's wingspan's about like 8 to 10 feet maybe yeah I'll, I'll leave the bow where it is <laughs> yeah. and you see this large sort of pterodactyl like creature Sort of like swooping, like I say, it's quite high up, sort of mm -hmm. swooping overhead and occasionally letting out one of these screeches. It doesn't appear to spot you and soon passes overhead and disappears into the distance. You all start waking up the next morning. The start, snow... starting to get a Lost World vibe here. Mm. There is still some snow falling, but the it appears to be a lot lighter now. And you can definitely tell it's got like a bit warmer. So, in the night, there was a big, I think, flying lizard creature oh. coming from way over to the east, mm -hmm. going west. From the glaciers. Yeah, somewhere around there. 
we get that. Mm. I, I, of course, I don't know the entire trajectory of it, but that's it came from the East Ghost of the West big. Um, if I had to guess, maybe like standing up, maybe like a one story house tall. But if it, it flies and, and glides, so probably going to be not that heavy, but it's big. On its on its own. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't see any others at any rate. But that is quite interesting. Uh, you wouldn't really have lizards there, would you? Like regular ones, because they they get cold. Yeah, lizards are cold blooded, so obviously yeah. they're not a thing mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind when we uh, head eastwards. That so some things, I guess, that's funny. redundant it's... by now. But some things are put. <laughs> something's funny. Something's funny. Something's funny going on. And point being, I stress again, very big. Um, even with the hollow bones, it probably has, unless it eats plants. Maybe, yeah, maybe it could eat plants. But if it doesn't, probably has fairly nasty claws. Because that, that's what you would have if you're an airborne creature trying to hunt others. You would think. Yeah. So. Uh, it's the first I've seen, and uh, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> it's... Hopefully, hopefully, the last. Mm hmm. Okay, so are you guys continuing to travel south towards the New Zealand? Yeah, it's, it's virtually due south from here, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Okay, at this point, um, can whoever's. This isn't to find your way, but kind of whoever's like leading the group who's the pathfinder, can you please roll a d6? Sure. Okay, no problems. So, you continue making your way south, heading towards New Zealand. So, let me just move you on the map. As you get to the sort of point where I've just moved your token, it might take a minute to move on your screens, but... Uh... I've got a quick question for you, John. Go ahead. In my open window for Foundry, yep. how do I move the big map? You basically hold down your right mouse button and move it around and it'll scroll it. Oh, all right. Gotcha. Yeah. If, if, you, if you roll up and down on your mouse wheel as well. You zoom in and out. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Okay, so you guys yeah, cool. get to the traveling through the forest. You get to the point where your token, your party token, is at the moment, yep. which is yeah. We've made good progress, indeed. And as you're sort of, you're just sort of making your way, and you're like, oh, we're probably going to have to stop soon. But then, like early next morning, we should be at New Zealand if we like keep going in this direction. However, as you're sort of like you're leading the way, Malcolm. You you look across to your left and there's like a there's like a small glade in the forest 
and what catches your eye about it is there's like there's no snow in this glade like at all and as you're looking into this glade you can see like lush like sort of springtime grass okay and like and flowers if I look up over the glade, is there any kind of shelter or is it open sky? No, it's, like it's open to the sky. Okay. And, and you notice as you're getting nearer yeah. to like the edge of this glade, like the temperature starts feeling like a lot warmer and a lot more pleasant. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Super noticeable. Yeah. yeah so to the draw point. everyone's attention to us. And so I wonder if this might be a pleasant place to camp. As you're saying that, you hear a voice from the, the far side of the glade go, Yes, it's a splendid place to camp. And you, you see a, a a young, like, pretty pretty much like stunningly beautiful man wearing just like trousers and like a, an open shirt, like not cold weather gear at all, just like normal clothes, sort of like comes out walking up and he's like, Oh, good day to you. He's a vampire. He has like chiseled, like beautiful features. He's got like glowing it's skin. Twilight. <laughs> he, he looks like he basically looks like he stepped out of like a, a mail order catalogue. Yeah, Twilight. Yeah, you know, as as he walks up, he sort of like flicks his hair back, and it like shines in the sun. Twilight. <laughs> Leo, do, how well do you know mushrooms? Because I think yeah, the rations, the rations are are kicking back something fierce now. Just as a point of interest, have you guys like gone into the glade, or are you still stood at the edge? There's no way I'm going into that glade. <laughs> okay. uh, stood at the edge. Just, just saying, not that I'm suspicious at all. Mm. So this uh, this stunningly beautiful man like carries on walking up. He stops just short of the edge of the glade, and he's like, uh, "Oh, it's, it's been a while since I've I've seen any other people. Uh, I, I've actually got a, a a pot of stew on just over there by that by that tree stump over there. You, you're welcome to you're welcome to share some if you wish." So, how long have you been here without meeting others? Then he says, well, "Let me see." Must be a, a a couple of months. Huh. It, it's it, it's it's difficult to tell. To be honest, I've not I've not really been outside this glade. Yeah, I was just about to say you you appear to have found the best place in all the land. He says, "Well, well yes, I was I was quite lucky, really. Uh, originally, I was a I was a, a trader, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I I my." My caravan suffered an, an accident as we were trying to travel through the forest, and it was quite by happenstance I stumbled across this place. And well, with with most of my equipment gone and um, not really knowing the layout here, I I set up camp here. Uh, I've yeah. been here ever since. And uh, looking yeah. at his clothes, John, does his story seem plausible? He's, he's wearing a shirt and trousers. There's nothing about him that screams trader. 
But, okay. but sorry, but, bit... but but like are they like short kind of trousers or are they like real heavy trousers? Or they're, they... they're not heavy like winter trousers. They're just like light sort of trousers. Okay. He's wearing like a cotton shirt that's like open down to like his chest. Okay. Uh, forgive me. I I don't wish to appear rude or anything, but um, why is it? What's going on? You know what's going on? This is, uh, is that, is that, somewhat sorry, irregular. Sorry, it's a little bit irregular. You're in the middle of the woods. We're all snow covered, frostbitten. My toes are about to drop off, and you're there in your your shirt sleeves, living it, it up. He throws back his head and laughs, and his laughter has like a, a musical quality to it. And he says, well, search me, to be honest. Um, I know outside this glade it's all cold and dreary. Uh, like I say, I found this place by happenstance. I, I've no idea why this place is different, but it is. Well, yeah, clearly. And he yeah. says, well, uh, he says, given, uh, given, given the trials I, we'd faced getting here and... Uh, I was just happy to find a place where I wasn't freezing to death and starving, so uh, I I've stayed here. After all, with my wagon gone and um, the, the the rest of the train having left me behind, uh, I didn't see any pressing need to leave. Uh, very reasonable. Did, did you not wonder why this place was so warm? And well, yes, of of course I wondered, and I've uh, I've had a bit of a look around, but I've I've not been able to find an answer, and in the end, I. I just stopped looking. He says, "I, I tell you what else. If you think, um, if you think the lack of snow's curious, there's something else you'll definitely find curious." But um, he, he sort of looks around and he says, um, what, "What time of day is it?" Uh, it's getting late. He says, "Well, well you, you'll notice how uh, it, it's still bright sunlight in in, in my glade." Indeed, it, it it always is. Uh, it, it, it might seem like a, a an irregular question to ask, but are you able to uh, step outside the glade? He says, uh, "Yes, I've I, I've done so before, but I, I don't really feel the need to, given how how horrible the weather is and how how unfortunate everything seems to be outside here. Whereas inside this blissful glade, everything seems." Seems marvellous, and it's almost like being back on Roeline. Well, well, why don't you just step outside the glade and just demonstrate how that works for me? Because um, uh, well, when, when you say that, he looks a bit uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. And he says, um, well, what I can do, I'd rather not, though. No, yeah, but you just step out for like a second and then step back in. It's no, you know, I, I just, I just. Uh, okay, um, very well, but uh, d don't. Don't don't be shocked when you see what happens, and he sort of like he like strides up to the edge of the of the glade, <laughs> and as he steps out of the glade, his his figure seems to transform. Instead of being the sort of chisel jawed, muscular sort of hero of perfection that he appears to be inside the glade, he seems to like shrink down, and you notice like scars. And sort of oh, the marks geez. of like broken bones, like that have not healed properly, appear on him. So that instead of this like bronzed god in front of you, you now have this like this like broken, ill-looking 
man who's possibly still the same age, but he's obviously like sustained loads of injuries that haven't really healed properly. And he, you can oh, hear right, it, step it, back in. You're making me feel it, bad. As he breathes in, you can hear like his breath like rattling in oh, his right. chest. <laughs> he, 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 take, he takes a step backwards into the glade, and as he does, the is again his form seems to shift, and he's once more this like bronzed, like demigod standing in front of you. And he says, "Well, I did warn you." So he's aware of he's aware of it. He seems situation. to be. Yeah. So seeing the look on your face, uh, Leopold, he says. Uh, well, as I've told you, there was a there was a terrible accident with the the wagon train I was with, and I was I was seriously injured. My my fellows, thinking that I was already dead, left me behind, and uh, I I awoke some time later. They'd already gone, and uh, I I struggled through the woods. I nearly died a number of times due to my injuries. But then when I found this place, I. I barely had enough strength to stagger into this glade and fall asleep. And then when I awoke, I, I was as you see me now, and I, the, the pain of my injuries had disappeared. I, I felt fine. Of course, when I was trying to work out what was going on, I have stepped outside the glade, and as soon as I do, my mm. my injuries, yeah. my pains return in full force. And have, have, you, has, have you seen anybody else? Has anybody come by or...? Is there any explanation for this place? Not, not that I've seen, and certainly not that I'm aware of. But as as you've seen, I would I would struggle to survive for long outside this glade. So I've stayed here. I mean, there there are there are there are plenty there are, there are plentiful animals around here that I can that I can feed myself with. There there is a there is a pool of fresh water. There, there, there are plants. I, I, I pretty much have everything I need here, and like I say, it's always, it's always bright sunshine here, and the weather is always warm. And I, given what you've just seen, I'm sure you can understand why I don't wish to leave. Mm. Then he sort of stops and he says, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I've not even introduced myself. Uh, Abby All Webb. I, uh, uh, Leopold Stavish, and these are my companions." He nods and says, "Well, I'm pleased to make your acquaintance." What sort of what sort of area size of area is is your man got here, John? Are you asking him, or are you just like? No, I'm just like looking around for that brightness. Okay, looking around, it looks to you as the the glades maybe half a mile sort of oh, like right. diameter, like a good size, right? Yeah. Anything obvious in the middle of us? You, as you sort of like look past him, you can see like a couple of tree stumps. There's a small tent which you might assume belongs to Abiel. There's like a little sort of pool beyond that. Um, like I say, lush green grass, flowers. You can see there's um, a place where like the earth has obviously been tilled, like he's been trying to like plant something. Okay. But in terms of the layout, is there like anything that's like very obviously in the middle where that might be causing the effect? Nope, not that you can see. No, okay. I'll make a note of it in my log and try and um, roughly position this place. Um, at, you know, as Malcolm's like studying it, I pull out a 
my little logbook or whatever and scribble away. Um, turn to my companions. What do you make of it? What do you make of this place, fellas? I just sort of turn my shoulder to this guy a little bit so he perhaps don't don't hear what I'm saying. It's a bit bit unusual. It feels like there's something trapping him in the glen. Um, I think he's on borrowed time. I feel like if he stepped out, he wouldn't last very long. Yeah, and probably wouldn't want to. Anyway. No, no, he's in a bad state. Mm. We've seen, we've seen his true self. I suggest we move on. Yeah, I, I would definitely steer clear of this place. Are you not curious as to uh, the nature of it? Well, eventually, yes. I am, but I don't know that I'm curious enough to step <laughs> over the threshold. Yeah, we'll, we'll need uh, an expert <laughs> of some kind, I think, to deal with things like this. You could go in and examine the water and... Uh... <clears throat> I wonder how the old fella would uh, fare stepping inside this area. Whether he would uh, enjoy a new lease of life. Perhaps we should put... So I... Um... I'll turn to our companion and what does um, what does the old fella make of it, John? As as he's in his uh, wisdom, like looking upon the. He, he seems quite surprised and like puzzled by the the whole turn of events. Yeah. Although, like obviously he's he, he seems to like you guys. He's like, oh, this is strange. Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. He's curious. But he's also, like yourselves, he's a little bit wary. Mm. The, um, do you think it's some kind of... What? Okay, so um, in, the, in the setting, John, what is our understanding of things like the Fae and stuff like that? I... Okay, the, the Fae as such aren't particularly like well known in terms of like being like monster races there are legends about creatures that we might consider fey but they're like they're pretty much just legends so things like this what would what would like a a dwarven like you know died in the wall dwarven worshipper of the ancestors make of such a place as this kind of thing what well, would be fitting there are really like two possibilities as far as you can see it yeah. either this is some sort of like natural slash magical phenomena that's like just randomly in this area. Okay. And it's like a neutral thing. Or like a spring of magic. Yeah, exactly. Or, right, or yeah. like someone with with magic perhaps in the past, because you know there were people with magic in the past, created this area for some purpose in the past. Sorcery. Yeah. It, it yeah. could be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorcery. Okay. Hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. 
pretty suspicious then. Hmm. Yeah. Then I concur with you fellows. I feel we should uh, steer clear of this sorcery. This is... The ancestors would have nothing to do with this. Tomfoolery. Yeah, and they probably don't either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's the plan, guys? Continue home. I think so. Walk through the night. Okay. I'll bid this. I'll, I'll bid this fellow all the best. He's like a. He's like, oh well, I, I, I wish you luck with your journey, fellows. Uh, of, of course, if you, if you ever do want, to, I, I do miss people. I'll be honest with you. If, if you ever do want to pay me a visit, it, it's not like I'm going to be leaving this, this glade. So, well, I may well take you up on that at some point. I have to confess, I'm curious, but. Also, he, he wishes um, you well. Yeah, yeah. I'm also cautious. Okay, so you continue through the night, and at the start of the next morning, you arrive back in New Zealand. It's very much as you remember it, save for the fact that as you're walking into New Zealand, you see the, the village alderman and a few of the villagers are talking to a a quite sort of muscly man with like a reddish brown beard and sort of like a mop of reddish hair who's wearing like a thick cloak who you don't recognise. They don't, they don't appear to be like having any sort of fracas. They're just talking quite in quite a friendly manner. Quick question for you, John. Is there a way that we can like annotate this this map on the foundry for things that we've discovered in that or or a way that you can like yeah what would you like me to annotate well the freaky freaky um clearing with adonis okay and, and like cyclops valley stuff like that okay just give me a second I mean, you don't don't necessarily need to do it now or anything. It's more like. Sorry, it shouldn't take me too long. Okay, cool. That's it, magical glade. Okay, let's see if I can just move that a bit. Okay. Yeah, that'll do for the minute. Okay. So, as I say, you've made it back. Um, to this uh, red-headed gentleman, does he look well-dressed? You can see that he's, he appears to be wearing leather armour. His, um, his cloak looks quite sort of high-end, for want of a better term. Okay. He does look as though he's done a bit of travelling, like his beard's a little bit unkempt and he's got this mop of reddish-grey hair. Um, so I'll turn to Buchanan and ask him, does he know who this gentleman might be? He says, um, he says, um, he does look a little bit familiar, but, um, no, I don't think I know him. 
Okay. So if I can I approach kind of somewhat quietly and see what they're saying? Yeah, not a problem. You you move towards and you can hear the the village alderman is sort of chatting to him and he says uh, he says, Well, as you get a you approach a bit like the tail end of a conversation, he says he says, Well, Mr. Nicol, I, I, I certainly don't have any objections to it, although uh, g given what happened to the previous people, are, are you sure you really want to? At which point he says, uh, the, the the man who he addresses, Nicol, says, yes, uh, I'm, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure a soldier like me will be, will be absolutely fine. Um, but uh, I, I just wanted to, since I saw your, your settlement over here and... Uh, since we're going to be neighbours of a sort, I just wanted to, to to travel over and make myself known. You know, I didn't want you seeing the the smoke from my uh, my campfire and panicking or anything like that. Uh, and uh, he, he smiles and he sort of like shakes hands with the the village alderman. And the the alderman says, uh, "Well, um, can we persuade you to?" Uh, to us, stay for stay for a bite to eat at least. I mean, it's it's the least we can do, um, given how far you've you've travelled. Apparently, he says, "Well, yes, I I'm sure I could stay for a for a, for a small bite to eat or something like that. Um, yes, that that'd be fine. I I don't really have to get back any time soon." At which point, uh, the elder man sort of takes him into like you know the sort of the central long house in the village. And you see him follow Josiah Means, the, the village alderman, into the hut. And there's a few other villagers sort of like stood around who've obviously been like earwigging on the conversation and are sort of chatting amongst themselves. You can see Rose Means, who is the, the village alderman's wife, is sort of stood around and she, she shouts after her husband saying, uh, oh, Josiah, do you need me to, to come in and uh, prepare any food or anything? And he's like, no, no, it's fine. We've... Um, We've we've still got some of the the leftovers from the previous night. I'm sure that'll be fine. And she sort of nods and she starts just chatting away to the other villagers who stood around. So I'll turn to some uh, villager and say, "Hey, who's this new guy?" And not draw attention to the fact that I'm in the sun. Isaac McDaniel, who you happen to be speaking to, like the village carpenter, turns around and he says, uh, "He says, oh, uh, he says." Uh, well, that 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 fellow's is a fellow by the name of um, Cotton Nickel. Uh, he's uh, apparently he used to be a used to be a warrior of some sort, serving serving at uh, I think he said Fort uh, Fort Gersey. At which point your uh, your trader friend's like it's Fort Kersey, and he's like yes, that was it, Fort Kersey. Says uh, yes, uh, apparently he's uh, he left the fort. He was looking for somewhere to settle, and he uh, he, he came across the. Uh, the, the the ruins of Castlemaine, and he's uh, he's been restoring one of the buildings there to make into a home, and when when he realised there was a there was another settlement just across the way, well, he, he came over to introduce himself. Okay, and does he have many retainers over uh, there? No, I believe it's just uh, it's just him, as far as I'm aware. Okay, I, I think mm -hmm. he said I think he said he had a he had a horse. I think he said that he that he'd ridden down on, but. Uh, not that I was listening into the conversation, you understand. Oh, of course, of course. Says Isaac. Um, hmm. Well, 
Thank you very much, Ivan. Well, um, not a problem. So, do we as a party have like a house or something here? Well, that... what, what there is in this um, village is effectively like five sort of like long houses, for want of a better term, that the villagers okay. sort of share between them. Uh, well, four of them get shared between the villagers. One of them's for like the village alderman and like his immediate family, but the okay. other villagers just sort of share the four. There's a few like little subsidiary buildings, like. Uh, like the blacksmith's got like a little sort of like yeah, work yeah, yeah, building, okay. and the carpenter's got a little work building. But most people, for for sharing warmth and for like safety, when night falls, they all sort of pile into these uh, these long houses. Okay. And the long houses are also like clustered together, like in the centre of the village, because it's more easily defensible. Like if the village got attacked. Okay. Scar or Bray. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, understandable. Okay. So you've got like a few utility buildings and exactly and yeah. your habitations. Yeah. Okay. So the boats, what sort of so what sort of vessels do did we arrive on? Are they like um see we've got some gunpowder and that going on, are they? You you would have arrived on something that was roughly equivalent to like a galleon, effectively. All oh, right. Okay. So what I'm going to suggest, since we're near 9 o'clock, guys, I'm going to suggest that while you guys are thinking about what you want to do next, we have like a short 10-minute break here, use the facilities, get a drink, refreshments, etc. We come back in 10 minutes, and then we'll crack on with the rest of the yeah, session. Sounds How's that for everybody? Yeah. Okay, excellent. So we'll be back in 10 minutes. Back in turn. Sorry, right, dude, it's been a long week. Yeah, it has. <clears throat> oh. So what does your character think about what's been going on so far then, Rob? Um, I've seen him quite converted to this judge character and very much trying to um, um, kind of start a a kind of cult or religion to him to try and, and empower um, belief in him. Um, 
you know, that, that kind of, you know, if the more people believe in him, then the guy gets more powerful and, and yeah. as a way of combating the, the smoking mirror. Um, so, which I think is a kind of cool scene. Um, so, <clears throat> and then I haven't quite worked out how fanatical you might get. Yeah. Um, because I don't know how that, that vibe would go, but I see it being quite um, talking about it a lot, um, if not full-on crusading. But we'll see how it goes. That's it, yeah, exactly. It's, it's an interesting thing you can start sort of working towards with yeah. the character and then, let you say, see where it leads. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's... It's a pretty deadly scene and setting, I think. Um, you know, I'm really enjoying it. It's quite, you know, a, even though it's a relatively small map, there's so much stuff in it. Yeah. From the, you know, the the, the tribes down the south to the land, just in the north, and um, you know, and then the, the forts and all of that Rovaline politics kind of coming in. It's 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 pretty cool. Oh, good, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, really, yeah. Just remind me again, the the witch's oil. Yep. Is so the the Order of Solanus Knights who are there and the dead that they attract, who are they fighting against? Okay. In the sort of like the dream vision with your previous character, he basically said that a a sorcerer or some sort of magic user had like come to the island and was up to no good there. And he seemed to be suggesting that the like the, the sort of the undead knights had arisen to try and sort of like combat him and whatever evil like doings he was up to. Okay. And they seemed to be suggesting that like the knights sort of constantly fighting against him were what were like keeping him on the island. And they were sort of like drawing the dead to them to like replenish their forces, etc. Oh, okay. Against this sorcerer. Yeah. And it was vaguely suggested that, like, this sorcerer had some troops or men of his own, but the nature of them wasn't revealed. Okay. Okay. And was there, there was no known connection between this sorcerer and uh, the smoking mirror, right? It was just... Not as far as you're aware, no. Okay. It certainly wasn't mentioned. Okay.
And how are you finding the foundry? It's working out okay, is it? Yeah, I'm. I'm really enjoying. It. I mean, there's a there's a few little sort of idiosyncrasies, like there are to any sort of new program. But yeah, as long as you've got a a sort of system module that works well, like we've got with the OSE one, it seems to work great. I mean, I found setting up the maps a lot easier, like aligning the grids and that. That was all dead easy to do. Okay. Um, I'm enjoying being able to put like my notes directly on the map. So like, I mean, obviously you guys can see some of the notes if you want, but like uh, the, I've basically just like for the encounters, I've been able to just like set up a set up a journal entry, drop it onto the map, and then if you guys like go into that section like we did with the glade, I can just like double click on the icon, pops up the notes for it, and I'm like, right, I know what's going on here, rather okay. than having to like page through like a ridiculous amount of like handouts. Okay. And you can um, you can like link to other handouts from within the text of a handout, which is pretty handy. So like if I'm like, oh, here's a handout for a village, and such and such lives there, and I've got a separate handout for them or an NPC sheet, I can link to that, so I can just click on it rather than having to like keep jumping oh, okay. around. Okay, open a second, yeah, yeah, okay, which is pretty cool. Okay. And how is it for doing the moving the tokens on and? Um... For the kind of combat, it, it, it's not uh, too bad. It, ta it, it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, because, like I say, it's got like its own sort of idiosyncrasies. But it, it's not too difficult, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Um, the, the main thing that I had to sort of get my head around initially was the whole like adding people to an encounter, uh, as we did like in the previous session, setting that up. But I did like a couple of little test runs between sessions, and it's like. It's not that difficult, and to be fair, you don't need to use it if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like I say, I've got um, I've installed a module now, so like when I do set up an encounter, it shows like um, a sort of circular representation of like your hit points around like each of the characters, so you can see like how each person's doing. Oh, cool. There's also a handy little um, player like overview. I've got set up where I've got like a little window and it gives me like a little summary of your guys' character sheets, like your armor class, how many hit points you've got just in like a little window. So I don't have to keep like bringing up your guys' character sheets, although I can access them from there if I need to. But I can just look at this little summary, like instead of me having to keep going like, oh, what's your armor class, Rob, oh, what's your armor class? I can just have a quick look at this and be like, oh yeah, I can see how many hit points you're on, I can see what your armor class is, I can see like what your movement rate is, what your combat modifiers are and that sort of stuff. Okay. And it's got it's even got like your um, your attributes on there as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's pretty handy. Let's give it a look. Like I said, I found it's great if you can get like a rules module for the game you want. It's great if you're trying to set set up anything from scratch. Unless you've got like programming skills, it, it it's a pain in the backside. Okay. Because you, you can get like a basic sort of like world module, which is pretty much like you have to do everything yourself. But setting it up and setting up character sheets is a bit of a pain. Whereas at least with this, because that's all done for me, because I've got the OSE like rules module. And there's, oh, a, okay. there's like a, I downloaded like an OSE compendium to go with it, which has all like the um, the SRD like monsters and stuff like that in it, and items and whatnot. Okay, cool. So that, that saved me a hell of a lot of work. And are all the modules free, or do you pay for them as well as the uh, it, software? They're all third. They're all third party, so it depends. Pretty much all of the ones I've got are free. There are a few that people have set up where they're like people are 
like you know you have to have access to that like Patreon to like get access to them. Yeah, but yeah. I've just gone for like the free ones, and like the vast majority of them I found have been free. Okay. So and like the OSE rules module and like Compendium and whatnot, that was all free. So yeah, yeah. And like most I'm of the, the different game types are free. That's pretty legit. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's well handy because it's nice. all like it's all like community based. So it's a bit yeah. hit and miss because like if you've not got anyone who's interested in like your particular game you're playing, there's probably not a rules module for it. It's like I was I was looking for a stars without number one, and there is one, but it's only right. like halfway done because obviously like okay. the person's working on it in their spare time. So yeah, well, old Jonesy was going on about the five E support, weren't he? Yeah, there's obviously there's loads of stuff for Five E because it's so popular. Yeah, but like if you, if you want a bit more of like a niche game, it basically just depends on whether someone with programming skills has been interested enough to make a, a rules set for yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's understandable. And do you reckon the the Necrotic Gnome kind of facilitated the setting up of that, or is it just a fan? They, has they did. They field? didn't. It's been fan based. Um, okay. I know we Gavin, can soon find out for you, Rob. What, what I was going to say, I know because I've spoken to like Gavin Norman from Lacrosse Gnome. He's super he, accessible. Yeah. <laughs> so someone, someone asked him that on his um, on the Necrotic Gnome Discord, and he's saying that at some point in the future, he does plan to like actually like get in touch with the the person who's already done all the stuff for like OSE and see if they can sort of do some like joint venture to like improve it and whatever. But obviously, he's got like. His Kickstarter's going, yeah, and then yeah. he's got his Dolman Wood book to bring out. So he's like, "That's a distant future thing." And and then he's like, "Young family, just yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah he's got his hands full, and he so. It's interesting, man. I do, li- I do like the, um, I do like the products. Um, just can't deal with the thieves. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know my thoughts on thieves and OSR games, man. Uh, I'll tell you what, John. Old Sonny loves the um, the Friday monster thing. Oh, good. I've got to admit, I was laughing when I was listening to your um, your like adventures in Middle Earth, like bit where you put in snippets of like actually oh, like, yeah. playing in the game, yeah. and like every every like, I could always tell like Sonny because every time like he spoke up, he was always like the most enthusiastic like sounding yeah. person, like. Um, when you were like, oh yeah, he's like, he's like a harveling at a lot of the rings, so he's got this, that, and the other. And he was like, oh, don't forget the pipe tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put that. I put that. I deliberately that really stuck out that little clip, and I put it in because you know, yeah, yeah, the smoke and. Um, oh, I'm, I'm glad he's enjoying the monster episodes, man. Like, give yeah, him, yeah, give him more regards. Yeah, well, I said to him about doing a call in, so you, you'll probably get a call in from him sometime. It. it the um, that actual play was a little while ago. He's not as squeaky as that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if it's any consolation, man, I used to have like a really high pitched voice when I was young. So, yeah. uh, and obviously, I sound like fucking Barry White now. So, it's just that the higher, the, the more enthusiastic he gets, the higher the pitch goes up. Yeah, man. you know. So, yeah. okay, guys. So, you're back in New Zealand. Uh, this cotton nickel eventually after like, having a bite to eat with the, the village elder man he comes walking back out of the the roundhouse with the village elder and he's as he's walking out he's saying well yes it's a it's a bad business and uh and no mistake elder man to, to be honest i was uh i was actually quite glad to leave but uh it was a stroke of luck uh finding uh 
the, the the settlement to the to the west of here. Um, what did you say it was called again? He's like um, Castlemaine. Uh, it used to be called. He's like he's like ah yes, uh, Castlemaine. He says uh, I, obviously I saw the the wreckage of it. Uh, I've I've just restored one of the buildings to um, use as a home, you know, and uh, I might re restore another one just to give a bit of shelter for my horse. But uh, as I said, I didn't want to. Uh, once I realised there was another settlement within like a, a day's travel, I didn't want to cause any undue alarm. So. Uh, but uh, I'd be I'd be a little bit wary if you ever have cause to go near uh, Fort Kersey, uh, Alderman means. Uh, he said, well, the Alderman says, well, I, I don't see that I'll be that I'll most likely be heading. I mean, I've got so much to keep me busy here in uh, in New Salem and land. But uh, thank thank you very much for your uh, your advice, uh, Nicholas. He says, oh please. Uh, Cotton's fine, fine. I'm I'm not in the service anymore. Is that well, Cotton? Then I, I wish you a, I wish you a safe journey, back back to your home, and uh, perhaps when the weather's improved a little, I may even come over and visit myself. Oh, please do, Alderman. Please do. You've been you've been more than welcome. And he, they, they shake hands in a very sort of friendly, amicable way. And this cotton nickel, like I said, the big fuzzy beard and the mop of hair, his leather armour and his cloak, starts, like, turns towards the west in the vague direction of Castlemaine, and he starts walking off, like, towards the river. Um, can I kind of, um, kind of run along behind him and kind of catch yeah. up with him? Yeah, of course. <clears throat> he, he's, he's not, like, running off, he's just, like, walking yeah, yeah, off, yeah. so, yeah, you can easily catch him. Try so hard. Kind of... He's a try hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> um, crumbs off your table. So, so as I catch up to him, um, I'll just be, you know, pardon me, I couldn't help but overhear. Um, he, 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 he turns around this. and he says, oh, uh, yes, sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, I was a uh, I was thinking about something else that I didn't no, know you were Sorry, 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 I just, I'm wondering if you might trade some information. Um, uh, well, if, if I have anything to trade, uh, of, of course, uh, I'm, <laughs> I don't really have any secrets. I'm not really that sort of right. fellow. So, uh, so I'm, I'm interested to know what happened in Fort Kersey. His face takes on a slightly more sort of serious cast when you say that. And he says, uh, yes, it was a, it was an unfortunate business. I was just telling your uh, your uh, alderman uh, the uh, I, I used to be one of the um, one of the wall guards at uh, at Fort Kersey, and uh, well, we we had some we had some troubles there, uh, you know, uh, primitives coming from the mountains and uh, such alike, and uh, I, I was I was firm in the belief that. Uh, the soldiers that were that were under my command there uh, could handle it. However, uh, uh, Lord Kersey obviously didn't agree with me, and uh, well, he's um, he's um, he's made a uh, made a bargain with a uh, with a a creature known as a Dramgar. I I suppose you might call it a troll or an ogre. Uh, I don't really know these things, uh, and. Uh, well, I, I tried to persuade uh, Lord Kersey that this was a this is a bad idea, and such such creatures will inevitably like bite the hand that feeds them. But uh, he he simply wouldn't listen, and uh, I, I continued trying to persuade him otherwise. But and after a while, he obviously got tired of me, and he ordered me to to leave the fort and not return. Uh, so uh, I 
travelled southwards. I was originally planning on trying to uh, book passage on a ship, probably back to Rowaline. But uh, th that's when I came across the, the the ruins of the settlement to the west of here. Uh, Castlemaine, I think your elder man called it. Of course, I, I, I've now heard from your your fellows what occurred there. And uh, most of the buildings were in ruins. But I, I managed to salvage enough to at least make one of the buildings habitable. And um, I, I've set myself up there. I mean, I'm, I'm used to being self-reliant and um, looking after myself. So it didn't really bother me but uh, whilst I was there uh, whilst I was down at the uh, the river fishing one day I, I spotted a couple of the villagers and obviously hailed them and uh, that led to me discovering that um, New Sealand was here and uh, well as you've no doubt just heard I, I didn't want to alarm anyone if they saw any smoke from my fires or anything like that so I decided to come over and introduce myself and would you not move into New Sealand and stay with us and grow it into a, a much more self-sufficient um, set, settlement rather than setting up on your own um, so close to the whale song forest it's it's possible in the future I had held out some hope that eventually I could return that the, my, the, my lord Kersey would see reason and that I would be able to return to the fort and um, my friends there but uh, I don't know when and if that will be the case. Um, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you, young fellow. I've I've not really given any great thought to uh, to, to far future planning. Uh, I I pretty much threw myself into restoring the building in Castlemaine uh, as a way to take my mind off things. To be honest, uh, it did hit me a little hard being banished from the fort, uh, and at least uh, as a project, the rest the restoration of the building gave me something I could focus on that was within my control. I'll admit I've not I've not given a great deal of thought to, to what my future might hold. I'd always mm. assumed previously that I I would spend my days helping the people in Fort Kersey, but alas. Mm. Well, since you mentioned that, um, uh, we are currently in the market for a guard captain. Um, uh, a, a god captain for what? Uh, for uh, perhaps a a a soldier is more oh. what I need. He says, "Well, yes, I'm. I, I certainly have a, a deal of experience in soldiering." Hmm. Um. And do you have other men who have served with you who might also join my venture? I I do have I did have other men uh, of course but most of them are still at the are still at Fort Kersey um, I was the since I I didn't want them to risk the ire of um, Lord Kersey by like contradicting him uh, I I made sure they weren't involved and as far as I'm I know they're still at the fort mm. and do you think that if you sent word that some of them might join you it, it's certainly possible uh, I suppose it would depend on how. Uh, on how blackly my reputation has been painted in the fort following my banishment. Uh, I'm sure there would be at least a handful, though, who, who've directly served under me, who, would, who wouldn't believe any slanderous lies that were put about about me. It's possible they may join me if, if I were able to get them word, but okay. I, I, can, I can hardly venture back to the fort myself. After all, I've been... Although I, I may not agree with what 
Lord Kersey has done. He, he is he is still my lord, and he has banished me from the fort. I can't just go strolling back in there. Indeed. Um, so would you be up for such employment? Well, yes. Um, as I say, I've been looking for something to... Uh, to, to throw myself into to take my mind off it and uh, as I say I don't really have any future, concrete future plans as it were uh, this isn't how I imagined things would turn out if I'm perfectly honest with you well if you would like to you know retrieve your horse and, and join us back at New Zealand um, we can talk about uh, the future the future. Well, yes, yes, of course. I'll um, I'll go and retrieve my horse and come back. I should be, I should be able to make it back for same time tomorrow. Perfect. I look forward to it. Yeah. Uh, what What's your name, young fellow? Uh, Malcolm Harp. Malcolm Harp. He says, "Well, uh, in case you haven't heard, I'm Cotton Nickel." Yes. F- formerly, Cotton. formerly captain of the. Of the Fort Kershey Guards, but uh, alas, no longer. All right, but now you can be the captain of. Uh, Wait, the I... New Zealand Guards. Perhaps. But should they form? He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. says that, although I, I must admit, I have, I have noticed precious little in the way of guards. Uh, in your in your New Zealand, it's it's a pleasant enough settlement, but it is a it is a small village, and I don't I don't say that yes. to be insulting. Uh, I simply mean that obviously I I come from Fort Kersey, where there is a a set number of guards whose job it is to protect the settlement, and that that obviously is not the case here. But anyway, we we we, we can discuss this tomorrow when I when I return. Um, like you say there, there there may be something in it, there may not, but it does no harm to talk about it, does it? Indeed. Indeed not. Well, uh, uh, until tomorrow then, uh, Malcolm. Bye, Matt Cotton, and I look forward to our future endeavours. Indeed, and he turns and walks off. I feel like you made an accurate assessment of the situation. <laughs> okay. I found on the map there, John, um, the previous... <laughs> information under the uh, journal tab mm-hmm. it's got all the locations on there isn't it yep uh, I was scratching my head thinking oh, I, thought, I thought there was more stuff on this map before and it's because I didn't have it selected yep okay um. so I guess, guys, we should decide if we're going to invest in New Zealand with our newfound wealth and grow it, um, or whether we want to set up a home base somewhere else, or or what do we want to do, since we now have a captain of the guard potentially joining us. Um, so, so what is the current state of affairs as the coffers go? Uh, we have several thousand gold coins. That's a fair bunch of gold coins. Yeah. Well, we've jewelry worked several thousand gold coins, I should probably say. Ah, okay. Um, hmm. Uh, right. 
as you're saying this, like Hercules Buchanan, who's obviously like still with you, pipes up and he's like, uh, "How long do you think it'll be, gentlemen, before you can, uh, before you can escort me to, uh, to to one of the forts and I can uh, that that I can make arrangement to my passage back to Rowelline to go and fetch my goods, etc." Um, we will speak to our captain tomorrow, and I think that we should be able to leave the day after to oh, see you safely. Spider. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Let's find somewhere to sort of set ourselves down and have a discussion and get rid of any hangers-on. And I saw <laughs> glance across at said merchant. That means you. That means you. Shut your mouth. <laughs> We've got business to talk. He, say, he says, well, well, if, well, if you'd rather I made myself scarce, I suppose I could always go and uh, get, get a bite to eat while I'm here. And, uh, you know, since, since I'm going to be, according to our agreement, I'm going to be setting up my merchantile concern near here, I suppose I could go and soak up a bit of the local colour, as it were. Good idea. Do one. Great idea. <laughs> maybe he, maybe he gives you a bit of a sour look, uh, Leopold, as, as you're like, do one. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, well, well, yes, sir. Well, uh, 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 I'll make myself scarce. Um, but uh, let me know when we're ready to depart. And he sort of nods yes. at you all, and he, he wanders off to start talking to some of the villagers. Merchants in there. Uh, and that basically just mm. leaves you guys. Merchant in. Gowan Ramsey, like the old, uh, the old master of the Order Solaris. Yeah, I feel like we need to. Is it? Is there anything we can do to help him out? I mean, he's just old. He's not suffering anything in particular. We. I think we just set him up here as our. Yeah, we just set him up in a longhouse nearby the fire or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. You, you escort him to one of the longhouses. So, the. Most of when you explain to like the villagers, you know, like he's he's been ill, he's he's a little bit old, he's he's struggling a little bit. That that like, because obviously they're they're quite respectful to their elders in mm. this in the village. Hence, like the exactly. elder man's like the eldest. So yeah, they, they they take him into one of the long houses and they get him they get him sort of set down near like the hearth fire in like the long house. Yeah. Put put like some blankets over him, and you know he's. They they probably like get him some like stew or something like that, and they they get him settled down, and the, the villagers start like looking after him basically. Yeah, well, mate, our Leopold is goes to some length to make sure that he's uh, is is well looked after. Don't want to see the old fella disrespected or anything like that. So yeah, uh, you you get him settled in, and just you're about to leave, he he sort of like puts a hand on your arm, Leopold, and he says. Uh, M- Master Dwarf, uh, b- before you leave, I, I, I must give you my, my, my deepest thanks for the, f- for the kindness that you have shown me uh, uh, over these, the, these last, this last week or so, uh, especially with the, with the loss of young Simon. Uh, th- th- thank you for, thank you for understanding my sorrow and for, for, for the kindness you've shown me. Ah, uh, yeah. It's not not a trouble. It's the the least I could do. He says, um, I'm 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 sure, uh, I'm sure the the eight dwarven ancestors are are proud of you. Oh, you yeah. I, I appreciate your re- recognition, and it's very good of you to say that. I I endeavour to do my best. 
he smiles a little bit sadly, but he smiles and nods. And then he like turns back to the fire, like pulling the, the uh, blankets around himself. One and of the it, women it, hands it, him like some stew. And if there's anything I can do, the, these folk will, I'm sure, um, let them know, and uh, they they will find me and let me know, and I'll do my uh, my utmost to uh, accommodate. You see, um, Reason Gibson, one of like the um, the young ladies of the village, says. So, so. Says, oh, d- d- don't you worry about it, Mister Stavish. We'll uh, we'll make sure he's looked after right and proper. And I I don't say nothing. I just like nod and. And you, you, you hear her start sort of like talking to him as like you walk out. Mm. Yeah. So uh, with a with a weight off his shoulders, Leopold will return to the party. Business on his mind. <clears throat> So we need to find somewhere to sit and have, have the chat. Suggest we just kind of step outside into the kind of woods nearby and just sit down away from prying ears. Yeah. What's the plan? We have we have come into some fortunes. We yes. stand. Yeah, we we've come into some knowledge and information we stand at the the crossroads we do i don't so much think it's a crossroads it's a it's a wide open plain mm. with no landmarks in the distance uh, there's maybe a few landmarks there weimar i feel there's a few landmarks perhaps depending on how you look at it of course but i i uh I understand. I understand what you're saying. There's, if we're starting from the things that are easy, error, and and more achievable, we could go to the fort. Are they west? Yeah, we -hmm. could go there. We could deliver our friend there. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we should. I think we should see him there, and we should see his trade coming to New Zealand in the yeah. coming months. Um, I think. I think we should also build ourselves a home, and potentially turn New Zealand into a fort of some description to protect yeah. the people therein, um, and continue right, yeah. to grow it. Um, uh, definitely a palisade. Yes. Um, and a harbour of some description or a pier of some description to allow uh, Buchanan and his goods to come on board. Yeah. Um, a bridge over the river to Castle Main. Um, and then I think if we are, if we intend to combat this evil, I think that we will need to make a name for ourselves. And I think that to do so, we should stop the walking dead. Well, exactly. I mean, this is where my interests lie. I feel like Witch Isle, that Witch Isle. Yeah. I think if we do it in the name of the judge, and if 
you know, stories are told about a band of warriors who are following the judge have done such a thing that we will attract many more brave souls to our to our beckoning and we will need such support should this evil manifest itself what about what about this uh, this receding ice mm. we need information there I believe that Master Gravish can be of some service to us if we can bring him information that we find and and, and um, items that need translating and and you know more support around um, more information that he can do with his research amongst that stuff and 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 you know translate our clues for us because we are not learned men. We are survivors. But we could make a contact with these, the people that live out to the east. Yeah. I'm not. And the Lang, the, the, the lady's letter said that the. Yeah, Lord where did I? Where, where are they? Are they to the. They're south? a little bit north of where we found Master. Okay. Um, All right, yeah. So, but their headsman, as I understand it, inherits all of the knowledge of his predecessors. So I feel, yeah, I feel so, like that's... So they, they will potentially have information for us. So if we continue to search for this information, make a name for ourselves, continue to search for this information, attract all of these kind of, you know, brave souls to us, we will get as much information as we can. Um, I do feel, though, that we will need somehow to find ourselves a magic user or see, someone who understands the dark arts. See, the way I see this, I'm happy to sub out this this trip to Fort Eastburn. I'd sub that out to your man, the guy you was just chatting to. If yeah. he could put, If he could put together a crew... Um, if you wanted to like deliver on this um, we, we, we basically told the merchant that we'd get him yeah there um, you know you know there's a there's a, a gentleman's agreement a gentle dwarf's agreement that we would get him there um, our word is our bond and all that uh, but I don't necessarily feel the need to personally escort him there. As long as he gets there, it's potentially... Yeah, I, I, I think we should send Cotton Nickel to Fort Eastburn with him and ask him to hire a half dozen guards to come back and build a palisade. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. We need some subbies. That's what we need. We do. Yeah. We can also have uh the trade coming in also bring in more mercenaries and yeah soldiers uh for a pay promised on arrival yeah so as not to hand out our gold for the actual recruitment before yeah before yeah yeah, yeah 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 
and then that would uh, that would free us up to, to do the witch's eye and and, and the ex the more exploratory uh specialist mm-hmm. stuff arguably more dangerous but mm. potentially more rewarding mm. we should also listen out for um others who have um more arcane knowledge than ourselves Mm. No, yes, we, we fully need someone who could deal with the sort of glades that have a we summer in yes. them <laughs> for no uh, reason at all. That, that's something definitely for the future, but I don't know that we have anything we can pay those kinds of people with, though. So we're, we got info. We got info. I guess that's true. But again, if we, I think if we make our name for ourselves in, in such sure. a small land, um, you know, word spreads of our deeds. We know, a, we, we know a bunch more than these fools. We, we, we've, um, you know what I mean? We've, we've, we've gened up. We, we've got the, uh, we've got the, the down low. We've got the down low. We, we know what's, what's going on. Uh, we've got the info dump of, Info dumps, haven't we? Really? So we can we we can um capitalize yeah, you know, literally on that. So if we can delve into some of those uh some of that knowledge work it to our advantage like johannes was saying like when um when it all came to light you know with the wish much was revealed uh, i feel like there's uh, a, a big old value on that information we we can capitalize on that if we play our cards right, and I think getting in touch with a, the Leng is the way to go. Um, at the same time, dealing with the, uh, the the Walking Dead situation, that's sort of like you're saying, that's a way we could make a name for ourselves a little bit perhaps if we if we play that right um see i haven't been to that aisle so i feel like that's a little bit of a gap in my knowledge there and we're running into all these other like um Races is not a word. So we like, so we like, discovered these um, ape-like folk. We discovered your fish-eating man up in the mountains there. So there's some, there's some cyclops. Yeah. yeah, there's the cyclops. So potentially, they they might be. Well, they, if they're not loners, there's some factions 
there's some factions going on. Yeah, and might be vastly more, judging from the, the yawn history lesson as well. Um, who knows what's up there? And I point to the the, the plateau and the, the glaciers. Um, as we know that some people weren't there. Yeah, so I think running the caravan guard mission for the merchant is is not for us. I feel we can, like like we're saying, sub that out. Yeah. Get your man on the case with a with a few other skins who are a little bit bulky, maybe that have got a little bit got a bit of uh, something about them. A couple of wilderness folk and uh, set him off on his way. Get that get that trade link going. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. So if if we get Cotton to go to Fort Eastburn with him, come back with guards, build a palisade, build a pier, get it ready for the trade to start coming in, potentially build a second or one or two more longhouses, and and invest in that, and then. Yeah, well, we can. I think we should do the witch's oil. Um, see if we can't use this uh, newfound sword to really, uh, you know, defeat the sorcerer there, and you know, make a name for ourselves as, as uh, you know, as a as a full faction in this area and kind of start attracting like kindness. Support needed to deal with the evil that we know lies in the under the ice. Um, yeah. So, so what will we have to have to crack with the with the alderman? Sort of tell him what we're thinking in terms of setting up some defenses. We we'll get some stout fellows to. Get a palisade up and yeah, and we'll hire six yeah. guards, a captain and six guards to maintain it. And perhaps we could get the alderman on board to oversee some of that in our absence yeah. for the interests of the settlement. And certainly, a few quid thrown his way, and the promise of the trade should be enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's certainly in his interest because he's, I mean, you know, he's. He's calling the shots here. It's just a it's mutually beneficial arrangement. He is for now, but yeah, yeah, well, you know, not for not for too much longer. But he is for now. <laughs> Lord Harp sounds like a fine name. <laughs> yeah, oh, did I miss it's something not a good here? Or... name, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, about titles, though, eventually, big man in the fort over there is gonna cast uh, his the man. baleful gaze this the way. Man. <laughs> yeah, and I think it'll be important that we have uh, some backup made a name for ourselves yeah, yeah. by then. And but I do think that if we are to defeat this evil underneath the ice, that 
we need a consolidated front. Um, and that is unlikely to require the Rohalene royalty aristocrats who uh, like to squabble amongst themselves. They don't seem like the people that we need leading such a venture. They're not on my agenda. They're not on my Christmas card list. No. Uh, and if we attract his attention, he'll also attract ours. So. Damn right, yeah. Damn right. Um, but I do agree that, you know, as we build up our faction, we will come into conflict with those factions. Well, they'll come into conflict with us, won't they? They'll come yeah. grabbing. Yeah. So, as the crow flies from New Zealand to Fort Eastburn, I can probably do. Oh. Can you'll, I miss you'll it? have a job. Fort Eastburn isn't on the map yet. You've not actually found out where it is. I thought. Oh, no, sorry, you have. It's Fort um, Kersey. You don't know where it is. Yeah, no, Fort Kersey. I don't know. It's... 60, 60 odd mile away so uh, hmm, 4, 5, 5 4, 5 days it's a 3 day entry back right so 24 miles a day ish so yeah so like a day and a half there and a day and a half um, so we'll, okay I guess we'd also want to find out what Cotton knows about Fort Eastburn first as well. And from him, where we believe what well, Cursey yeah, might well, be roughly. I make it, so when I measure this, it's 63 miles away. Okay. So, so it's three days there. Instead. Yeah. It's been a long week. And they probably won't go direct anyway. They'll follow the coast because it's safe. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's a it's a good trot. It's a good yeah. trot. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a good few days travel. Yeah. Okay, so we have our plan. Okay, so for for, for ease, I'm going to say obviously you you relate this idea about getting the palisade and whatever to the Alderman. Alderman means he's he's quite willing, he thinks that's a good idea. You know, as as the settlement's expanding, it's gonna need to be defended against any possible dangers. I mean, they've all, you've already seen what happened to Castlemaine. Obviously he doesn't want the same thing to happen to New Zealand. So I mean he's obviously advised the villagers to stay clear of the Whale Song Forest, but he can't overlook the possibility that like something might come out of that forest or the wolf forest and cause issues at the settlement so he's on board with the whole idea to like improve the defences around the village the other thing is I feel like what are these youngsters laying about the village doing the uh, like you know your teenagers and whatnot. Well, most most of the people in the village are sort of either involved in like trades like carpentry or like blacksmithery or whatever or they spend their time like hunting and like gathering to like, provide food for the village and stuff like that. I feel like we need to get some sort of um, 
conscription <laughs> I feel like these fellows should be turning up Sunday mornings getting a bit of um getting a bit of uh getting a bit of um martial practicing. I think we need to instigate some Cotton can definitely take care of that for us and we can Yeah, yeah, he's if he's into the soldier he could yeah. you know do Saturdays Sunday mornings warrior club, you know? Yeah. Now we can pay them a copper piece of, of Sunday to show up and train. Yeah, do a bit of training and yeah. uh and they can start up with a little bit of like firefighting or something like that, you know. Just uh practicing fetching water up and throwing it over something and just a bit of drill, getting a little bit organized. Well, like you, you say, ha- having cotton like teach as many villagers as care to learn, like a bit of self-defense if nothing else yeah certainly isn't gonna hurt training and like, montage and he, and he can pretty much do that while if you're planning on like hiring him to like help protect the village he can pretty much do that as part of that because obviously the more sort of able everyone else is it means he can rely on other people as well as like the six guards that you're planning to hire or whatever so exactly exactly and 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 they can get an enormous sense of well-being from it as well. Indeed. Okay, so for convenience's sake, because time's running on a bit, we're going to jump to the next day. Obviously, you don't need to like cross any rations because you're in the village. Um, Cotton Nickel turns up the next day, as he said. You you arrange to sort of like sit down, like in a sort of out of the way bit of the village, and he says, "So." Uh, Tell me more about this idea you had. So, if you are willing, this is what we would like to pay you to do. Okay. Um, so, we have a trader uh, named uh, Buchanan. Um, we would very much like you to escort him to Fort Eastburn. And in Fort Eastburn, right. we would like you to hire six guards. He says, well... Uh... It's as if you're talking about. Uh, uh, are you talking like actual soldiers or sort of peasant levy? I mean, what are we talking here? Um, uh, I guess it depends on the going rate, which, you know, as a soldier, you know better than I. Um, certainly, preferences for soldiers. Dwarves. Dwarves. <laughs> he says, well, I, I know there are, a, certainly at Fort Kersey, I know there are some dwarves. Yeah, well, as many of them as you can find. He said, I, I don't know how many there'll be in Fort Eastburn, but I can certainly look. He says, uh, in terms of the cost, I would expect, uh, if you're talking like a, a heavily armoured uh, foot soldier, I, I would think you they'd probably be expecting a wage of about three three gold coins uh, a month or something similar. And you, you'd probably have to chuck a couple of extra coins on top if you wanted to, if you wanted to get a dwarven mercenaries. Let us do this. If you can find three dwarven soldiers and three non-dwarven soldiers, very okay. diplomatic, Mister Harp. Um, I like the cut of your jib. Obviously, most most such mercenaries will expect like a month's payment up front in advance. Yeah, that's so I mean, not a problem. if you're able to provide, I mean, I, I don't have the resources for that. If you're able to provide me with the money, I've, I've no objection to attempting to hire such people for you while I'm escorting your. Um, 
your Mr. Buchanan to, to Fort yes. Eastburn. I mean, I'll have to give Fort Kersey a bit of a wide berth, so it might take me a little bit longer than it would do otherwise. But uh, uh, just, so, just, where, just uh, forgive me once. The, yeah, where exactly is this Fort yeah. Kersey? Just out of interest. And I bring out the map as I was just about to ask <laughs> just, the same just, thing. Uh, just if you could mark it on. <laughs> It says, uh, well, well, yes, uh, of course, that, that should be to the east, problems. is it? Off up, up the east there, maybe? Or the southwest of our current position, perhaps? And he, on your map, he reveals that Fort Kersey is apparently here. Oh, not okay. where I expected. Okay, so uh, so then, Cotton. So I will we will pay you uh, ten gold pieces a month to do this work for us, and we will pay you two months in advance. So I'll give him twenty gold coins. In addition to that, I'll give him like operating costs of like fifty gold coins, which should be enough to hire six men for almost three months. Um, and then I, I don't quite know how much. Sorry. So in, ter in terms, in of the palisade and and some sort of pier for ships to land at, would that require gold as well as kind of manual yeah, labor? Labor in it. That's just labor because yeah. all that that's all natural resources in it. It, it would effectively require like gold in order to like facilitate it. Okay. Um, I'm just sort of spitballing here, but like I'm building a moat. According to this, would cost like 400 gold okay. pieces. So I'm going to say, assuming I'm going to assume that like a pier and all of the necessary bits and pieces to make that work would cost similar. Okay. So we're hiring someone else to do that. That ain't our dudes doing that. No. Well, we're hiring this guy to take care of. Um, and then how much for the palisade in addition to the pier then okay palisade okay so a standard castle wall now obviously yours isn't going to be as expensive as this because it's like a stone castle wall would cost 5,000 gold pieces Okay. So I'm going to assume that since it's like a wooden palisade, it's probably going to be like half that, and a bit less, okay. so we'll say 2,000. Okay. Okay, so I will give him then the 2,500 gold pieces, okay. and then ask him to, you know, his own money, hire the guards, build us a palisade in the pier. I reckon, um, I reckon, you, should, I reckon you should give that building cost to the alderman. Okay. S split the money and sort the building costs out with the alderman because he's here and he can like arrange the laborers and the, the materials and all of that okay. and that allows your man to deal with the soldiering and uh, the um, like the militia issues raise a militia do some training get some hardcore soldiering types in get the heavies in Get your man, the merchant, out of our face. 
So we do that then, John. Uh, so we just ask Cotton to bring me down to Fort Eastburn, hire six soldiers, come back, and then basically uh, help the alderman by kind of directing how a palisade should work because he's a soldier, and then train up the guards, and then um, train the populace at the weekends, and then just generally make sure it's all safe. Um, yeah, he, he says. Uh, says no. He says yes. That that obviously you've given it all the money and whatever, and he's like. Yes, that that should be fine. Um, obviously, I can't guarantee there'll be the exact uh, the exact types of people like mercenaries that you want, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, and obviously, it's going to take me a few days there and a few days back. So as I say, I have to give uh, Fort Kersey a fairly wide berth for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then obviously, whatever time it takes for the construction afterwards. But um, yeah, sir, I have no problems with uh, starting with that there. Uh, Especially since you've, uh, you've you've paid me so handsomely for it, indeed. And, and with, uh, uh, with that, old Leopold will give Malcolm a slap on the shoulder. Mister Harp will make a dwarf out of you, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before you go, Cotton, what do you know about the Lord at Fort Eastburn and Fort Eastburn itself? He says, uh, "Well, uh." He says Fort Eastburn. Um, I believe it's uh, I believe it's Lord Moses Eastburn uh, who uh, runs the fort. I know he's got a second link about Brandon. I th- I think his name is or Brandon something like that. Uh, I, kn- I I don't know a great deal about it. I've I've not been there myself. I only really know these details because there was a there, there there was well when I left there was a dispute between the the the, the rulers of the two forts. Uh, that there's there's an area to the east of the two forts that are, they they believe maybe of strategic importance were their forts to be attacked, uh, and b- the rulers of both forts wanted to build a watchtower there. And obviously, they come into a it, it hadn't escalated to actual combat, but uh, tensions were quite high. But back while I was at uh, Fort Curcia, you know, both both lords eyeing up the territory and wanted to be the ones to put the tower there. Okay, I think um, if I remember correctly, I think the I remember. I don't know how true this is, but I I remember hearing from one of the the soldiers who served under me that uh, the, the the Lord of Fort Eastbourne had uh, he'd hired some of the the ice nomads to to help defend his fort. Uh, okay, the uh, the soldier who served me said there was a, there was a little bit of tension there between the uh, the. the the more civilized settlers, shall we call them, and the uh, the nomads. But uh, how how accurate that is, and whether it's changed since, I honestly don't know. Uh, sorry, just out of context, these nomads are the same tribal guys from oh, the ice flows. The ice flow nomads, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting that they're for hire. Um, okay. Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. Yeah, he says. Well, from, from what I understand, I mean, I'm I'm no great expert on the uh, on these these ice nomads, but I I understand it's a a fairly sort of hand to mouth uh, difficult existence, as you might imagine, given where they live. Uh, I I don't know what inducement uh, Lord Eastburn gave them to 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 have them in his service, but I should imagine uh, being able to live in a Nice wooden buildings out of the cold certainly didn't hurt his case any. Mm. 
But do we know much about the ice nomads' territory? Because if they literally are from the ice, that's like a good three or four days journey west of Fort Eastburn. So do we think they're living in the mountains to the south of the lake? Uh, I, I, our understanding I... is they live on the ice flows from some of the traders that we met. Um, but they're obviously foraying if that's the case they're foraying quite far west I wonder if there are also ice flows to the west that we haven't seen ah yeah maybe or to the north mm. I reckon there's bound to be some ice to the north there yeah um, so before he goes, I'll ask uh, Cotton to look out for three things. So we're interested in um, hardy adventurer types who are looking for work. Uh, we're interested in anyone who seems to be um, learned in the ways of the arcane or who's very strong on their kind of history. Well-educated um, folk. Yeah. Um, and we are also interested in whatever he can find out about these potential, the hiring of ice nomads. Okay. Yes, indeed. Well, I, I can't promise anything, but I'll do my best. That would be very much appreciated. But that's all you can do. He says, well, then, if I'm a... And obviously he's got his horse with him when he's came back. He, he says, "Well, that if I'm uh, if I'm to take your uh, your Mister Buchanan here to, uh, to 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 Fort Eastburn, I should really get underway as soon as possible." And he says, and he, and he basically like, helps uh, Buchanan like, up onto the back of his horse and then like climbs on himself. Okay. And he says, "Well, uh, with, with any luck and a, and a fair wind behind me, I'll be I should be back in five or six days." all told and uh, hopefully I'll have some good news for you excellent I look forward to it um, and if we're not here we will return shortly thereafter blessings of the ancestors he, he, he nods and then he sort of kicks the flank of his horse wheels it around and he, he starts like obviously not like four ball galloping because he's got a dude on the back and like Buchanan's obviously not a horse rider and uh, so he's like just like doing like a gentle trot, but he like starts disappearing off into the distance. Okay. So, is there any kind of seamstresses or such? There is Christopher Duncan, who is a milliner. He owns like a, he basically makes a lot of the clothing for the people in the village, and you know, like patching things up and stuff like that. Okay. And is, is there like a letter worker? I guess it's maybe more what I want. There's not a specialist leather worker as such, no. However, there is a there is Chastity Boyd who is a tailor. So okay. she she like makes a lot of the newer clothes rather than patching them up. And you know that she does have some skill with like leather working. Okay. Although she's not like a dedicated like leather worker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, she knows her way around like a piece of leather. Okay, so what I'm looking to get done then is um 
<laughs> I ain't said uh, nothing. I ain't said nothing. Um, I'm looking to get you know, this symbol that the judge had, this um, kind of scales. Was that what it was? was it yeah. Scales? Yeah. So I'm looking to get that kind of embossed on my leather armor at the front as, as like a chest plate. Um, yeah, she. You, you speak to you speak to Chastity Boy, and she says, uh, she says, well, it, it it's, it's a simple enough job. Um, sh shouldn't cost more than like a a, a, a single gold coin, or it, 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 I mean, it, if you want the symbol to be fairly sort of small, I mean, obviously if it's bigger, it will be more expensive. But I'd like it to be like fuller. Just well, even even so, if you you only wanted to. You know, it's scribed into the leather. It's only going to cost you. A, it's only going to cost a couple of gold coins. Okay. I'll give her five, and then okay, ask her to put a top of the pile because we're leaving on the morrow. Yep, not a problem. I mean, feel free to write that down on your your character sheet. She will get that done, and you now have like a, I suppose like a leather jerkin with like the symbol of the judge on it. Okay. And obviously. Stick out your carrot sheet now, but she'll have that ready for you the next time you come back. Because, like I say, it's it's a fairly simple job. I mean, the symbol of the scales isn't very complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's you just got to inscribe it into that soft leather. That's that's easy enough to do. Okay. I probably will get a pair of um, bracelets that are the same. Cool. <clears throat> Obviously, it's fairly thin leather, so it won't count as like armor or anything. No, no. But that, 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 that's why it's like costing you next to nothing because it's just like normal clothing effectively yeah. perfect okay so what's next guys um, I think we just want to go to the witches are don't we um, do we need to stock up do we have food do we have torches? What else do we want to bring that might help us? Well, I'd like to get some... I'd like to make some uh, inquiries as to how I might get some armor. I seem to be getting into some uh, risky situations. Well, if you want like leather armor, yeah, you can buy that in the village. All right. But that's not a problem. And that that will set you back. Bum, 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 bum. Let's find the equipment list. There we go. Weapons and armor. That will set you back the princely sum of 20 gold pieces. 20 GPs, Mr. Harp. Fine, here you go. Good man. Okay, in which case, I just give me a second and I will add that to your carriage sheet. Good old. Ooh. Um, we have a week's worth of rations. At the moment, so that's probably enough. I've bought a few more torches. Um, you should see your armor class has now gone up to 13, Leopold. Indeed, yes. Nice. 
Yeah, and you, you have anything it, else? It, it's nothing fancy. It's just like a a fairly plain, like sort of rough and ready suit of like leather armor. As long as it is solidly constructed to a, a workman-like standard, I am quite happy with that. I don't want no shoddy, shonky leather armor. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not up to like the master, like dwarven artisans of old, but. Uh, and and again, it will have been made by like Chastity Boyd, with, probably with a bit of advice from uh, Moses Hopkins, who's like the blacksmith. Although he doesn't really do like the leather work himself, but obviously he knows a bit about armor. And um, yeah, she she puts that together for you fairly quickly. Obviously, she has to like take your measurements and stuff like that, but she puts it together fairly quickly. I say it's not up to the dwarven craftsmen of old, but you know it it, it it's not bad. It's Good. not dwarven cave leather. Yeah, it's, no. It's, <laughs> I will caution them that if it lets me down, they will know all about it. As long as I live to tell the tale. Okay, Romy D6. Me? Yeah. Okay. A five. Okay, so uh, Chastity Boy says, Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sure sure it won't let you down, uh, Mr. Stavish. I'm sure. Sure, it'll be fine. I mean, it, it, it's it's not pretty, but it should do the job. Good. This is not a rehearsal. She, she sort of chuckles a bit, and then and then sort of repeats a bit under her breath. Like, oh, not pretty, but it'll do. She goes oh, a bit pale like myself. Uh, well, I mean, discretion prevents me from commenting. <laughs> She, she sort of chuckles a bit, like, does one of them, like, light, like, little, like, punches on the shoulder, you know, like, no, what you like. Yeah, I, I just, I let her know I was only joking. She's obviously a stunner. <laughs> <laughs> she sort of laughs and you have a bit of a banter with her and she, like, finishes fitting this armour. A flanter. That's it. That's what they all do, flantering now, isn't it? All the kids... In the New Zealand, Flanta. <laughs> Indeed. So, what's next on the, the agenda, guys? Do we set out then? I think we do. I, resi I resist the urge to slip a few gold coins to modify the design of Malcolm Harp's. Uh... <laughs> 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 I look at it and think momentarily about a bribe, but then think better of it. Okay, so you guys know following the, the river, it's going to take like a couple of days to get to the lake, that which is our sits in the centre of. Okay. So do we think the Malfi sword is up for the task, Weimar? Absolutely no idea. <laughs> ah, that fills me with confidence. Um, well, let's go we, and find out. Yes, I, I think more than anything else, it's it's more about trying to find out what is going on there and what this can do. Uh, more of a scouting trip than charging the gates, so to speak. So we'll, we'll see what we can do, I suppose, because that, that's all we can do right now. That is all we can do. How did you get to the island last time without a boat? We had a boat. Oh, you had a boat? Uh, 
And I'm wondering if we should actually buy a proper or make a proper canoe. If we spend some time in New yeah, Zealand. Yeah, because we have plenty of furs. We've done a good bit of hunting. Yeah. So we can actually, you know, stretch there and make a proper, really yeah. light canoe that we can kind of carry with us if we left the river. And now Gunkwing Birch Bark Canoe. Right. With the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, you don't want those. The canoe authorities can track you down. <laughs> yeah, I, I have the canoe. The authorities are very litigious. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so should we do that? That will allow us to get... Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think we should actually have a, a vehicle like fit for purpose instead of using all the rotten logs. Every time, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'll let you know, guys, that uh, getting a canoe is effectively going to cost you about fifty gold pieces. Perfect. But that that'll be like a proper, like actual proper canoe, rather than just yeah. like some log you've hollowed out like last time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, this is probably like a proper birch bark, legit Voyager canoe. Yeah, and it, it's because it's a canoe; it's pretty light, so right. like you guys will be able to like get it in New Zealand and like carry it with you. That's not a problem. Portage. Indeed. Okay, okay. so you start travelling north, following the river. Yep. Okay, so whoever's doing the um, whoever's doing the leading, I'm not going to make you make a roll for seeing if you get lost because you're following the river. You can't get lost. You've just got to follow the river. That's absolutely fine. Let's see if there's any sort of a encounter while we're... We're going full mountain man now. We just need to trap a few beavers and we'll be... Jobs are good. (laughs) All right, David Crockett. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get myself... uh, Yeah, I need to get myself one of them hats. The raccoon skin hats. Yeah. Okay. And we need the... uh, You need the additions to your new leather armor with the... uh, The fringes. Little fringes. (laughs) <laughs> Dangly bits, Dangly bits, yeah. The leather fringe. Yeah. Okay, so the the first day's travel passes fairly uneventfully. Obviously, you all have to cross off one ration. Yeah, and also do a bit of hunting while the guys setting up the camp as well. If that's yeah, okay. that's fine. Make a roll for it. Not so much. Okay, I had a nice walk around the forest. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's better than almost anything else we've rolled so far. The <laughs> 16 wolves. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you travel northwards for the second day. You can just see in the distance the shores of the lake. And you know that sort of early tomorrow you'll arrive there. So, again, I'll make another roll to see if there's any sort of random occurrences while you're travelling. You are absolutely fine. Again, you'll have to cross up a ration each as you travel. But, and I'm going to move your cheeky chappy who's uh, 
on his on his mission for you since he's had two days of light travel obviously you guys can't see this but i've put a uh, i've put like a little token for cotton nickel on the map and like every time a day mm. passes i'm moving him across the map to like towards where he's going perfect yeah we we actually set out uh an npc to um the the, the trail to not oregon but eastburn yes indeed, indeed. let's, let's make hope it. he lasts <laughs> Let's make a couple of the cheeky trip. rolls, see if anything unfortunate happens to him on the way. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I don't like the look at that. Okay. So, on the, the third day, you guys arrive sort of on the shore of the lake following one of the branches of the river. As you look out across the lake... It's, it's early morning when you get to the shore of the lake you can see now that the fog has cleared you can see the island that squats in the centre of the lake and the jagged fang-like grey stone crags of the, the ruins that rise from the centre of it There's an, as you look out towards it there's an odd sort of stillness that hangs over the, the lake and the island in particular that those of you who have been there before will be familiar with since during the hours of daylight at least the place is dead there is no life really on the island it's only when darkness falls that the unquiet spirits that rest there rise from their graves and a, a grotesque mockery of life returns to the island hmm So did you guys want me to guard the beach while you go and investigate? Well, you can come as well. I don't think it's necessary. Okay. You want me to get in that boat? Right. So you could also swim. I enjoy swimming even less than I enjoy waterborne vessels it has to be said i prefer to be fully in contact with the solidness of the earth mm. uh john is there any activity that we can perceive anywhere in the vicinity are there animals are there the walking dead? Not as far as you can see at the moment. However, it is daytime, so you know that like certainly the walking yeah. dead you've seen only appear to be active at dark. Yeah. Obviously it's up to you whether you guys want to like pole straight over there while it's daytime or whether you want to wait until darkness falls. Yeah, I I definitely think the first we enter there again should be during daylight. Yes. We just need young Leo here to uh, man up and get in the boat. Uh, you, you'll have a long wait. <laughs> I may dwarf up, but I will not man up under any circumstances. You just need to get him to like, like slip some herbs into some like milk and get him to drink it and then like put in it when he's unconscious. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Dang, I was not expecting any A-Team references this evening. Wow, that is a deep cut. That's <laughs> 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 like you guys in the canoe, is it? <laughs> we've got like a we've got a black canoe with a big red stripe down it and a sliding door on the side oh, yeah, but, but we don't have any of the roles like there's there's no face i say you, see, you just need to have like uh malcolm like stood like smoking a cigar at the front like, i love it when i play love when a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear uh, that's quite amusing okay so, yeah i like it in your dang canoe yeah, so we, we paddle across, uh, I suppose, during daylight hours, and, and we'll see about the ruins then. Indeed, you paddle across to the island. Everything seems eerily still. And as you push your canoe up onto the, the small sort of shale beach on the island, you see a short way in the, the crumbling stone ruins that those of you who have visited the island remember from previous. And that is where we're going to end the session for this evening, gentlemen. Since we're getting on a bit, and I don't think we'll have full time to like do the whole stuff on the island. Uh, so, uh, thank you very much for playing, guys. I hope you enjoyed the session. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, oh, I, yes. I'm more than happy to chat for a bit afterwards, but I'm going to end the stream here.